Warning, the Dub Talk podcast contains language and content that may not be suitable for younger audiences. Listener discretion is advised. There will also be spoilers for various anime throughout the course of this episode. Please use caution in case we discuss a series you haven't finished yet. Finally, the opinions expressed are those of the individual participants and may not reflect the Dub Talk podcast as a whole. Enjoy the show. You know, on any given moment, I'd be just my happy, cheerful self, but, you know, ever since the great disaster happened, I... I don't really feel like up to life anymore, to be honest. I mean, who could say that about any of us here tonight? I mean, is it just wrong that we want to live our lives, or that disasters already struck? Is it wrong that we just want to, like, search for a heaven? Are we deluding ourselves, just even for a bit? I guess we're going to find out the answer tonight. Welcome to Dub Talk, where on any given night, it's just, we'll just talk about the latest and greatest in anime, but we got we have a very special treat for you tonight. For, you see, for the first time ever, <laughs> we are covering a, uh, a, sh- a, a show licensed by, uh, of all things, Disney, in asterisks. I always knew this day was come, I just never knew when the House of Mouse was going to come and barge our door down. Uh, it was inevitable, I suppose. Yeah, oh, I, quit! It only makes sense that tonight I gather, I guess, the best of the best group I can find. Tonight I have with me Armon. Hi. Roots. Don't they know it's the end of the world? It and the world as we know it. Goodbye. Jet. Uh, if we're the best of the best, I gotta worry about your standards, buddy. And Andrew. Yeah, so um, if you want to get some good weed, you're gonna have to go through the Crocodile River, which, uh, good fucking luck with that, buckaroo. Yeah, I can tell you it's gonna be a fun one tonight. Yeah, so uh, this is an interesting show that's I'm very excited to talk about for sure. Yeah, this for as good as, the, as this dub is, there's a lot of catch twenty twos, but catch twenty twos, but catch twenty twos. But in case you wonder about yourself, we'll be talking about the show Heavenly Delusion. Uh, I'm sorry, which, sorry, 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 sorry. Um, <laughs> I think you mean Ten Goku Dai Makio. You can fuck right off. You know that? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Roman, Romanized titles are a trip, but it's like, if the title is more complicated to say, type, or remember, I don't think the Romanized title is the best title for the job. I, I was I was thinking about this earlier. Why did they not just go the Demon Slayer route and have the official localized title? Oh. Just yeah. uh, why, why, why are they doing this? Do research, I, guess. I don't even think it's about laziness. I feel like this is somebody made a weird business decision or was very stubborn about something, and that's just the way it goes. 
Yeah, that's 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 my suspicion as well. Someone, someone, somewhere in enough power. I remember season one of Takagi-san was licensed as Karakai Jozu no Takagi-san. I'm so tired. Yeah. Yeah, let's just try to get through as best we can, guys. I love Boku no Hero Academia. Yeah. I would bet your inner self is going like, fuck off, Andrew. All right, sorry. I just had to. I just had to, to get that in there because it. If you're gonna want to watch the show, which, spoiler alert, we really think you should watch this show. You're gonna have to work for it. Mm-hmm. It's like you're gonna have to work your way through the synopsis first. Within the safety of the walls, use of ace in a nursery-style setting by the robots. While life there may, be, might, may appear still on the surface, the children are full of potential curiosity. In many ways, it's like a slice of heaven. The outside world is a hellscape. It's almost entirely void of anything mechanical is not inhabited by bizarre yet powerful supernatural beings. Maru, with the aid of Kiriko, is out there crisscrossing what was once Tokyo for heaven. But after searching for so long, maybe heaven is more of an untenable dream than a potential reality. Maybe. Just maybe. maybe heaven was the friends we made along the way. You get out of here with that shit. <laughs> ah, you booing me. You're booing me. Ah, it you only makes me... your ass I'm booing you. It only makes me stronger. You can't, you can't boo him, Patrick. You just have to silently shake your head in disappointment. You can't get, you can't the get o- any power. The only that. way to beat the shameless side character is to make him feel even more shame. <laughs> Speaking of feeling more shame, remember how I said there were some catch twenty twos? Yeah. So, so yeah, as um, we alluded earlier, so as we alluded earlier, yeah, this show has an alternate title, but. For the purposes of this episode, we're just gonna stick with Heavenly Delusion because Tengoku Daimakyo is a fucking mouthful. And every time I hear Daimakyo, I just think of Demon King Daimao, a show that was dubbed by Sentai that I never even watched. So, I watched that-, watch that show, it's uh, it was a show. Did it have titties? I feel like it had titties. It, it was a harem. Sounds about right. But yeah, no, uh, Heavenly Delusion is just easier to say, easier to remember. And I made sure to ask permission, courtesy of the important member of this show's production, actually, and somebody who's actually followed the podcast for some time now. So thank you. Uh, special regards to one Ruben Lack. We are going to be crediting you a bunch throughout uh, tonight in particular. So thank you for taking yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah, yes, please, yes, please. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm kind of fed up talking about that alternate title. I think we should just get right to, into it, don't you think? Oh, I thought you were going to go into what was the catch twenty two of Heavenly Delusion, or well, the alternate title is just what of catch twenty twos because Disney's heavily deluded themselves and they think I'm going to label this episode that. Yeah, we're not calling it Ted Goku Daimakyo. I just think it's fun because it's 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 absurd to me. It's easier yeah. to say Heavenly Delusions. Romanized titles, it's kind of like... If the Romanized title is easier to say or type out, then I get it. 
Kekai Sensen is far simpler to say and type than Blood Blockade Battlefront. In that regard, I get it. But if it's like... If the title's already long and complicated in English, make it more complicated in Japanese just is silly. Like, we make fun of Boku no Hero Academia because you are literally adding slightly more work for no payoff. Um, yeah, babe. It's just, it's, you know, literally means the exact same thing. It's also the whole Attack on Titan, Shigeki no Kyoshin. It's tale as old as time, song as old as rhyme. I just dropped my phone. Oh, I thought you were that angry. Uh, speaking of hard work and payoff, why don't we talk about ADR staff? I would love to. I would love to talk about the staff on this one. So, the interesting thing of this is, it's mainly an LA dub. However, it's not your typical LA dub. For one, it was dubbed by a, a, it was dubbed by a studio called Dubbing Brothers. Which, if I remember correctly, they do, <laughs> they do most, they actually did most of the recent uh, Eva redub movies. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was where I recognized the name. I was like, oh, wow, it's those guys. And some uh, alt alternate language tracks for other shows as well, but I'm not getting into that right now. What I am getting to is our main ADR director. That would be one Felicia Angel, who's also directed other shows such as Grim God, Ashes, and Illusions. Speaking of alternate titling, Kekabacho uh, Ultimate Girl Beats Boys and Sky Wizards Academy because I always remember you first. We have two script writers for this, however. Uh, for the bulk of the for the bulk of the show, we have Madeline Morris, who's also written for B Star season two, Girlfriend Girlfriend season one, and other side picnic. Cause believe me, I am gonna reference that. Maybe not a whole lot, but I will reference it. Uh, but two of the episodes, I want to say six and nine. Yeah, thanks. I'll play you and fucked everything up. Uh, we also have Emily Fajardo, who's also written for Black Rock Shooter. Oh, I'm going to break that up as well. <laughs> Galaxy Express 999 Eternal, Fan Fa Eternal Fantasy. And Thermai Romai and Thermai Romai Nove. And of course, we have to thank uh, Mr. Ruben Lack for, for the most part, doing a lot of the legwork when it came to marketing the show, both he and Felicia. It's... It, it is extremely unfair to really have the bulk of the marketing of the fact that this dub came out and when it was coming out at irregular times exclusively on a person whose job is not to market it. He's the manager of the English dubbing operations for Disney stuff. And Felicia's the director of the dub. But, like, there is no dedicated account... That says when stuff goes up on Hulu. It's not even clear when it was going up on Hulu. In fact, these episodes were already up on Disney Plus around the world, and it was unclear when they were going to pop up on Hulu as it was airing. So they had to do a bulk of the legwork to try and tell people, okay, yes, the dub is going to come out on this day. We appreciate your patience. Thank you very much. And it wasn't always consistent. It was sometimes just like... Sometimes they would miss a week or two, and I think the last four episodes came out, like, weeks later. I don't understand what happened there. Why did it just not go up simultaneously? What the fuck was that about? We're going to maybe... Okay, 
Can we just spend like three to five minutes bitching about the Hulu infrastructure before we sing our praises to this crew? Um, yeah, because I wanted to point out that Catch-22 as well. So as Andrew pointed out. So the episodes... Okay, here's how it worked. The sub came out on Disney. The dub came out on Disney two weeks after the sub. However, we didn't get in the U.S. until two weeks after that. Because the all of the Disney Plus original anime around the world are not on Disney Plus in the U.S. They're Hulu. They're Hulu originals for some for some fucking reason. It's, it's very unclear why. Because they want people to get Hulu subs, and Hulu uh, I mean, okay, in the I States. mean, uh, less complicated reason. It, okay, well, no, not less complicated, but just I guess more stupid marketing stuff. So that's a, is that uh, I mean, uh, Disney as a brand here is different than in other parts of the world, and uh, Disney brand over here probably does not want anime with like boobs and stuff on their service. That's not a great look. So. Uh, yeah, yeah I get that, but like we're gonna be at the point where it's like I think you could just content rate stuff on Disney Plus anyways. And you so, know, yeah, I I completely understand your point, Jet. But on that note, Disney Plus has recently put on the Netflix Marvel shows and both Deadpool movies, so. Jack of all trades, master of none. Okay, the Jack yeah, of all trades. Like, the argument about the not wanting anime stuff is whatever, but you just mentioned Deadpool, and that involves uh, Ryan Reynolds getting pegged. That's, okay, 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 I see. Okay, I see. I agree with you, Patrick, and generally, you're, you're correct. That is hypocritical in general. But at the same time, can you imagine this show specifically on, like, U.S. on USC just... Some random parent coming across that, like... At this yeah. point, I... <laughs> oh, ran random parents don't monitor what I their mean, children watch anymore, let's be real. I just asked Noah, I'm terrifying. curious if his children know what a skibbity toilet is yet. They probably do, and I pray for that, man. <laughs> um, but no. yeah. Boy. So, oh, I'm sorry, did I, did I, did I hurt you specifically with that one, Patrick? Uh... <laughs> yes. That's right. You're an uncle, so you feel the pain too. Uh, but yeah, it is. Just, but yeah, it is. It's really funny. Funny knowing that this show specifically is associated with Disney. That's just that's so funny. And which is gets... weird because which is weird because and I didn't clarify this. This is not actually the first show on Disney that they had dubbed, but it is. This is not the, the... better dub. This is the better dub than the other two, that being uh, Summertime Rendering and uh, Black Rock Shooter Dodgefall, which... Yeah, uh, fun I fact, that, both of those dubs existed prior to the current uh, English localization Disney team being formed. I confirmed that piece of information specifically, and it makes a lot of sense, and it's a lot clearer, actually. Yes, please. Yeah. Which yeah, like Tokyo Revengers was the first one. It, it was Tokyo Revengers Season 2. On. Tokyo Revengers Season 2 and Heavenly Delusion, which uh, Ruben was confirming to me that, like, he's he was the one that kind of basically got all these teams together, and he was very involved in a lot of behind-the-scenes work, uh, casting approvals, uh, 
getting to listen to the final mixes, all that jazz. I think he was involved in a lot of the sessions. So it's very much clear that, like, he was involved in getting a bunch of the teams, both for Tokyo Adventure Season 2, and especially gathering the team for Heavenly Delusions, which is not surprising to me, because I believe back back during his days at Iuno, I believe both Madeline Morris and Emily Fajardo had actually script scripted on some of their dubs during his time at that studio, actually. They did, actually. So, yeah, that, that doesn't surprise me. Getting Felicia was very much a good call. He wanted me to shout out the fact that uh, she was very dedicated to this project. They had all the information known ahead of time, and she had, like, a conspiracy theory board of all the characters and all of their stuff throughout the story. So it was very clear there was a lot of attention to detail about what was going on and when things were going on. So, yeah, I wanted to shout out Felicia Angeal in particularly and the work uh, Ruben did getting this crew together. So, oh, sorry, I, I'm talking about good things. I, I didn't finish talking shit about Hulu. What the fuck is up with that player? I, we, yeah. So, fun fact, <laughs> we have all had a weird experience with the last episode skipping to something. And it's, it's always different. I was able to catch it, but there was times where it's like I was finishing episode lo- 9, and it was going to skip to episode 11, but I backed out and caught it ahead of time. Before we started recording, we had a conversation with Amon here. He literally did not see episode 10 because he did not realize it skipped past episode 10. We're, we're plot-wise, where 9 ends and 11 begins are close enough that I just assumed I zoned out and missed something they explained So the, ba- the pack... It was just like, eh, whatever. Gotta, gotta finish like, the fucking show for the that's podcast. That's inexcusable! Whatever. The fact that that has happened for multiple episodes, and we're literally doing this, we're not made aware of how bad the random episode skipping was, because they would <laughs> skip an episode ahead on the automatic playthrough, and, like, we didn't even yeah. notice! Yeah, and, yes. and, and uh, like, and to be clear, like, you know, I mean, terrible QC stuff happens with a lot of video players and stuff. But, but like, it shouldn't happen with, like, you know, stuff you're subscribing to, but, like, it's a, yeah, but, yeah, but, like, there's services where these things happen. Sometimes what's technical what's difficulties a, happen when you're doing a simulcast. That, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, a, yeah, a, yeah, what, yeah, but, uh, yeah, but, you know, it's important. But it's also important to address these things when they happen relatively quickly. This has been a this has been a thing for like the last I don't know like at least four or five months. When let, I let me let me take a done. look at when the Heavenly Delusion dub premiered on Hulu. Now while April he's looking, while April twenty second. Oh, there you April twenty. So then so, they aired it for like three months. So it's been six months since the dub finished. In theory. And it's still fucked up to kind of watch it in a sequential marathon on Hulu. Now, you guys, at the very least, it skipped to something related to Heavenly Delusion. When it did it for me multiple times, for some (laughs) reason, Hulu thought it a wise idea to put on Fairy Gone. Fucking. Oh my god. Ah, that... I am so sorry, Patrick. That's... I do apologize about that we're kind of harping on this because 
this is kind of the only section we can really talk about our actual gripes with trying to watch this show that we all really liked. And spoiler alerts, we all adored this English dub. It's actually going to get a lot of high praises. And Ruben, Felicia, Madeline, and Emily, like, fucking high praises across the board for all of your contributions and the entire cast and crew. Fucking bang-up job. It's such a shame that nobody was promoting this fucking thing but you guys that watching it and finding it on Hulu is an act of trying to find the Shrine of the Silver Monkey and fucking, like... Yeah, just trying to watch episode 1 through 13 in a marathon is not so simple that one of our own hosts missed an episode because it played an episode after it. it it's it's goofy that this is even up... It's 2023. Like, I watch stuff on Hulu all the time. I've never encountered this problem. I've never encountered this problem on a streaming site. Here's a fun fact. I have episode 10 pulled up so I can watch it later. If you have it paused on your browser, it'll show you up next. Do you want to know what, what? episode is going to play after 12. I finish watching this? Yeah! Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, it's episode 12. Yeah. You know what? You know what it is? Someone someone fucked up some bit of programming on the back end, and uh, they haven't fixed we it. We want to recommend people care. watch this show. We really like it. We have some problems with it. We'll get into that. But we you really like right. this we show. We want to share this with people. Why Dude, is it so the hard? Back, the back end fucked up so much, I was almost in a panic earlier today marathoning this, because for some reason, the episodes disappeared on me. I had to go back to the previous episode, <laughs> luckily it's a uh, play from this episode, and I had to hit the next button on it. And then it tells me it's a fucking communication error. Uh, That's... But yeah, just... There's a lot of there's a lot of technical prowess that goes into that went into this project. A lot of love, care, and passion went into this project. There's a lot of neat little things I discovered about this. Oh, also here's a fun thing I want to shout out about the actual ADR section. I discovered that the mic was apparently slightly further away than it normally is for anime, with the goal to make it have a more authentic sound, not like a usual bassy or chesty voice as it usually would if you're kind of like right there for anime. Oh. Neat. Which, yeah, I, f I saw some pictures and it's like, yeah, the mic is further back than it normally would be. It does make it sound a little more natural. Because the vibe of this show is that it's very much it is, it's a mix of it's a mix of The Last of Us it's a mix of like Promised Neverland Post-Apocalypse a smidge of Maybe. Made in Abyss, which, yes, that means exactly what you think it is, depending on who you're asking. But it's like... Maybe, th maybe throwing a little I Am Legend. A little I Am a Legend. Little. But, yeah, it's like it's a lot of, like, chaos at the end of the world, but a lot of it is the intimacy of all these characters, like, interacting and hanging out and befriending each other at the end of the world. And that vibe is absolutely coming across in the entire dub production, and... Like a lot of this is going to be pr praising the cast and crew because this is this is a union project and this is a union project with people from all across the country because like there's people from LA there's people from Dallas even a lot of people I don't regularly see from Dallas and LA dubs too it's this is a cool project there's a lot of people I don't typically see in anime dubs getting to play major characters this is this is a cool project 
you can tell a lot of people worked really hard on this cool project. And all the people that... Like, seriously, Ruben, we love you, man. You, you deserve to continue to make cool anime dubs for the mouse. What, like, whatever that is. It could be that Ishura, sh Ishura show that's coming up. It could be that Dragons of, uh, the, like, the hybrid one from the Promised Neverland artists. Like, that one, drag the Dragon Show. Like, that would be a cool one I'd like to see dubbed. Yeah, I, I mean, it probably wouldn't happen, but I would appreciate it to do all of you to our dubbed. Send to Audi Noir, yeah, that would be neat too. Just yeah. you, you like the the team's the mouse is picking up some cool stuff, and we hope you continue to work on some really cool dubs to spread the word. Cause we we will sing your praises. We will sh we will show that shit. Yeah, Disney dub more stuff Fucking... so that Ruben can work on it, and then you, the Disney execs, can sing the Stan Wrong song. Mm-hmm. And so, do yeah. the repentant dance. So let let us make it clear that all of our gripes are not with the team that is dubbing this anime. If anything, they are the this team is so strong that we wanted to push for this episode to happen. But yep. we but we had to talk about the shitty act of actively trying to watch this show because it's actually a problem and it's a barrier of entry. At least for us in the U.S. For our buddies in Canada and elsewhere, it's probably a simpler affair. Or you could, you know, just run a VPN and watch it on Disney+. Plus. Oh, yeah, you... Is it, yeah, okay. yeah, I, say, yeah, I do just wonder if, like, the folks at Disney and Hulu just do not talk to each other for some reason. I'm going to assume that communications are... Big companies, there are people that just do not talk to each other. That doesn't surprise me. But, Basically, but Absolutely. yeah, I, 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 I think of the number of times people are like, "Don't Marvel Fuck movies no. and Marvel comics talk no. to each other?" I'm like, no, no, they don't. Are you stupid? Do you not know how corporations work? No, but, no, 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 just I, I. There's a lot of t that could go into a lot of the technical aspects of this, but like legit, uh, Felicia, Ruben, Maddie, Emily, all the cast and crew. This is a fucking killer team. Very. Very much agreed. Mm. Mm -hmm. I I will say, though, because one of my thoughts was uh, it takes a special kind of person to direct a show like this, and I I could tell Felicia had something if you ever follow her on any given day. Especially now you tell me like she had conspiracies about a certain character. Well, less a conspiracy and more she had the Pepe Silvia board of where characters were at any given time and all that. And it's like, you know what? That's good to know that information, especially when you're working with the show as it's revealed later on a very differing timeline between the two stories. Yeah, yeah. Which, so. my God, that was a fucking great twist, by the way. We'll get to that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but having that mentality to work on a show like this, I... She she fucking pulled it off very easy. Well, it was hard enough, but it was very easy for her. And then you have Maddie and Emily on scripts, which... I, I didn't really... Everything kind of played out pretty smooth, although I forgot Maddie was on this. I was like... 
there was a couple lads I was like, yeah, it's definitely Maddie. I I think uh, what, I think Maddie's writing definitely shines a lot in just the conversational oh, yeah. like road trip energy between Maru and Kiriko. Like a lot a lot of her dialogue especially shines because like she she's a good comedy writer, but she's also a very good character writer too. And I think a lot oh, of it yeah. is just capturing like the exact right energy that these two dorks traveling together at the end of the world would encapsulate. And that's hard to do, especially when you're working with anime dialogue, which sometimes can be a little bit over the top and silly and onomatopoeia-y. You know, as you do. Yeah. Yeah, And to be honest, um, and probably Amon could could attest to this because we were both on the other world picnic episode um i definitely got sort of those conversational vibes from the uh heavenly delusioned up as well yeah so this is this this is like the dream team right here it's a strong it's a strong crew and i'm excited to talk about the rest of the characters for sure anyways uh let ruben and his team dub more stuff we will sing Let its praises. Let the man cook. Let the motherfucker cook. Mm-hmm. The only reason we're not singing the praises of Tokyo Revengers is because we've already done an episode on that. And it's cool that that dub flipped Union, and this is also a Union project, too, so that's pretty cool, too. Mm-hmm. Amen. I think we're good to move on here, huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't get to anything. Oh, oh sorry, I'm sorry. sorry, sorry. I can cut that little bit out. No, it's cool. I mean, I don't really have too much more to add. I thought, I thought, I thought Police's writing was, I mean, Police's directing was really on board. I liked how, like, natural a lot of performances sound, sounded, and I thought a lot of the actors uh, bounced up each other really well, and we uh, liked a lot of the casting and how I did that thing. Uh, oh, yeah, I forgot to, to uh, talk about that. with this one. Um, yes. and, uh, so, and then, uh, sorry, and then, like, no, writing-wise, I would, yeah, so, uh, yeah, and then writing-wise, I didn't like Madeline's script, I thought she, I thought the show had, had the right balance between, like, uh, uh, between good humor and, like, a strong sense of mystery, and I definitely liked how well a lot of the characters kind of bounce off each other in their dialogue, especially a lot of stuff between Kiriko and Maru, since they do kind of carry a lot of the show, in a sense. But, uh, yeah, good stuff. Oh, yeah, thanks for reminding me. I had one more point to add that we can move on. I like the fact that despite this is a delay dub, Felicia carefully and craftily casted her characters appropriately. <laughs> because yeah. she she did all the casting herself, which I really like, because at least she's able to understand the nuances of these characters very specifically, you know? I, I mean, approvals probably went to, like, Ruben and the, and the other people in the team, too, which I actually did find out the leads were a callback, which you don't typically don't get a callback for anime stuff like this, so I think that's neat. That mm. is neat. But yeah. And speaking of characters, are we good to move on? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm good to move on. So, I'm not going to lie, the next section is basically just plot devices. These are minor characters, but they do have some major impact on some of the major characters in this show. Some of. 
<laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, first off, we have Tao. Oh, I mean, he's a he. He's one of the academy students. Uh, kind of gives uh, Tokyo this drive to search for what's on the outside and the outside. Has a body wasting disease, and he kind of ups and passes away by the end of episode five. As you to do. which they cre- to which they cremate him, and then they find out there's like something inside of him. Yeah, what yeah. A lot of those children are kind of not really human, mm. and that's Basically. just kind of a thing. Which, speaking of non-human children, Ashura. <laughs> yeah, Ashura. <laughs> I guess the object of Koda's affection. She comes to realizes why she's been bored, and as a result. Leaves Koda decides to commit suicide, which, yeah, we should, if you haven't heard the disclaimer by now, this is kind of heavy. Even for it's a, a, it's like a show about the post-apocalypse and a lot of uh, people that are in bad situations and sometimes do very bad things to each other. More on that later. Yeah. But Asher is just have- kind of an alien, and yeah, sure, why not? Basically... <laughs> What's not aliens totally, because my god. No, she's not an alien. She's an entrepreneur. This girl can get it. Wants <laughs> 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 to be king of the hotels one day. Hey, hey, uh, okay, hey, hey, hey. You gotta, you gotta say her whole master plan. Step one, get the cleanest futons in the region. Step two, fuck all the people that aren't gross nasty. Step three? Step four, profit. Why did I know you were going with that meme? <laughs> because you, 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 don't need, you don't think as fast as I do, Jamal. You, That's what happens. We, we all know Andrew's game by now. <laughs> mm. Yeah, we all know the game. Independent just lost. But anyway, yeah, she wants to... She's basically watching me entrepreneur. The only reason I put it in here is because at one point... Uh, she catches uh, Maru doing almost something appropriate, and then she kind of squats get buck nasty, I guess, in return. Look, look, you don't uh, fuck on my futons. I worked very hard to keep them clean and cozy, and look, this futon's fine. You're pretty fine. Now take those pants off, boy. Yeah, and as a result, Maru comes to find out the hard way that uh, there's something up with these humans because he... It almost inadvertently kills Totori, and then, <laughs> and then he calls in Kiriko, yeah. and the next thing you know, it was at that moment, he knew. He knew, he, he fluffed up. There's a level of, like, I enjoy, I enjoy some crass innuendo, and just literally just calling Kiriko, just be like, Sis, it went in! It, it went in where? <laughs> And Record then, scratch, freeze frame. Oh, I'm wondering how I got in this situation. Ah, uh, you, 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 you poor baby boy. And then there's Juichi. Yeah, Juichi. Juichi's power is van. His power is van. He's a vagabond who kind of inadvertently scams Kiriko Maru for the money by just telling these false lies, which one of them was actually the truth. He used to be a boy that was a hold up in school. In this building run by uh, women between the ages of 20 and 40, he says. Uh, and used as a breeding pig, which... 
lot, lot of, lot of gender ethics post-apocalypse scenarios to go through there. But yeah, he was the guy that got out. But the child he had with a couple that liked his vibe and wanted to see how he was doing, uh, th- that didn't go so well. And he wanted to find his kid. He wanted to find his kids, which he eventually did later on, but not before we found out that uh, that kid is what they call a Hiroko. Oh, yeah, by the way, sorry, Amon. We're going to have to spoil the entirety of that episode to talk about Juichi, a.k.a. Jota. It was fine. I'm sorry. Like, it's a cool episode, too. That's why I feel bad. You you still need to see it, though. (laughs) I'll... I'll be I'll, I'll be honest. I I am only sad because I thought it was more interesting when he made up a story that kind of reflected reality, and it's like, oh no, he's just not lying about that. It's like, well, that's look, probably gonna be cool too. Look, I, I, one I thing I learned from Kiriko in the manga is that in order to deceive somebody, you have to have nine parts truth and the other part be a lie. So you're not totally wrong there. It's just we didn't really know until later on when he begs. Kiriko and Maru for help. Oh yeah, speaking of he manga, did, did. you want you want to take a second to shout out uh, Dempa Comics for a sec? Uh, yeah, why not? Yeah, thank you, Dempa Comics, because Jesus, because I have been enjoying the manga so far. However, there is one problem, but I will get to that in final thoughts. Actually, I'll get to that in the plugs. Uh, okay. But, no, yeah, like, Depa Comics, a uh, little up-and-coming uh, manga publisher, they're doing some really good work, uh, found out originally that this manga was kind of bombing for them, actually. Yeah, I think you said it was, it was kind of... It was doing very poorly for them, actually, and they, and, like, uh, if this was, like, the mid-2000s, probably just would have been canceled without trace. But then the anime got announced, they're like, what, let's, let's take a chance, let's, uh, let's do another print run. And now it's actually really successful for them because of this really good anime and people are like wanting to catch up. And you know what? You, lo- you love a story like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah. But hey, if you didn't want to pick up the physicals, you could always use K-Mong. <laughs> Not a chance in hell. <laughs> Andrew, Andrew, Not a ch- Andrew, that's a cruel... Andrew, someone someone who doesn't know K-Manga's deal is going to hear this, and they're going to assume that you're being serious. And they're going for a Hey, guys, do you, like, How could do you like splitting up chapters into three parts, and you have to pay a dollar for each part? K-Manga. I, I, I am glad it's doing well for them, just because I could, I could buy it wasn't doing great for them before, just because... I have an idea of the kind of stuff Dempa puts out. For it's sure, but it's, I'm, I'm glad, glad they're, they're do, putting it I'm out. I'm glad they're doing. I'm glad they're doing well. No, no, I just, just in the sense, in the sense that like normal people would read Heavenly Delusion, and what they mostly put out is either really weird or really. I'm and sometimes fate. Well. And sometimes I'm glad fate. they're doing well. You know who's you? You know who else is and doing fate. well? Who else is doing well, it, Jamal? These actors. Ah. Taro is voiced by Sanfi Wynn, who if you've heard is Menman Anohana, Hidomi in Fully Coolie Progressive, and Nana Mifune in Gleipner. Ashura is voiced by Elle, who has no other anime roles, but uh, she is Muyo Salkiewicz in Starfield. So is her name just L? Like just credited want- as E-L-L? Yeah, that's how it's credited, so we're going to stick with that for All right, cool. That's that's very interesting. All right. 
Totori is voiced by Deneen Melody, who you've heard is Mari Illustrious, Mari Illustrious Makinami in the Amazon redub of the Ava movies. Oh, yeah, that's a whole saga. Anzu Hoshino, Romantic Killer. And Ranye Arabelle in Sora Online Alicization. Juichi is voiced by Jonah Sky. You've heard this Ryder Sugar at 86, Courier and Ak- Akudama Drive, and Legoshi and Beastars. So how so how you want to do this one? Just kind of like we all we all go around? Or I'd I well obviously we're gonna save Juichi for last because he kinda of has a little more to do in this. Yeah, he's kinda of like the rest of these is kinda of like you just you could just kinda of go like but then Juichi is like, there's a lot more to uh, tear into. Yep. Uh, so. Okay. No, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to go into it. Uh, Tarao, uh, Xanthi Wind does a very good job playing a little sickly boy who gets friend-zoned and fucking dies. As you do. Can we just say that I've never heard Xanthi Wind play a little boy before? Okay, she ha- Okay. She has played I, little boys before, but it's it's not uh, as common as like some of her like little girls. Uh, okay, thank you for clearing that up. Uh, I will look it up. Somebody else continue because I guarantee you I've heard her as like a couple. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that thing's coming to mind, man. I'm pretty sure I've heard okay. one. Like it. Hey. There really wasn't a lot to the character, so I don't really have a lot to say. But the performance was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, performance was yeah. good. I felt a little, little bad. Uh, I felt a little bad he died, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, act, acting, acting good. Dead <laughs> child sad. Yeah, smooth. Yeah, Tyler didn't do much. He does have an impact on the other characters. He even shows up in a flashback at one point. But that little disease of his, well, I did see it in Well, in technically like a speaking, couple... the entirety of the heaven section is a flashback. Yeah, to the point, too. Yeah, but, well, well, to a point, we don't exactly know. This is a weird, this is an unusual narrative. I don't see this often in shows like these, but I get what you get there. Heavenly Delusion is cool because it is a show that trusts the viewer to stick around and figure out what the mystery is without telling you everything up front. Yeah. Yeah, I'll get more to the narrative later at some point. Uh, yeah, Zephy with the good wasn't there as much, uh... Oh, she's, she's have... baby Alejandro Saab in Link Click. <coughs> oh, God. You, oh, God. <laughs> oh, I found God, one. I, about I found one. I forgot about that, but... Ooh, Link Click is a different story altogether. <laughs> and what I'm not ready to revisit just yet. So. Okay. Uh, Ellis Ashra, I've never heard of her before, but I know they put a filter on her, but she she did pretty good as this alien-like creature who committed suicide, but man. Is she dead, though? Here's the, well, what? Uh, I mean, I mean, most, I, I mean, it certainly seems so, there's no particular evidence to suggest that's not the case. Like, she's, I, I, she's around, I just don't know if, like, that means I, 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 okay, I, okay, okay, I mean, if you mean around, okay, if by around you mean, like, me, 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 me,
we already kind of know that BBB Hebe's whole deal with like TC's tied differently, so. so so it might not even necessarily be like TC Gosper in the present. But kind of like looking back to the past when that happened. There's also that one moment in the Furby uh, Tokyo season in the dream. Yeah, which... that that's a whole... That poor girl has going through so much mental trauma. Yeah, basically. But no, L, L but... Is, does a really good job sounding like this very strange, inhumane <coughs> creature. Oh, yeah. With a very bulbous little gray alien head. And your thoughts on Ashram before we move? She's fine. Because I... I uh, yeah. Deneen has told to me, uh, she was fine too, but... Holy I shit, I love scenes. this sassy entrepreneur. I wanted I, to get a I kind of love how unabashedly shameless she is in her dreams and her goals. Yeah. And it's like, you know what? You live your life, girl. You get that dick. Just 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 literally any other futon just just don't touch those. I worked really hard. Do you know how hard it is trying to get semen or blood and guts out of that shit? Like that's a lot of work. That's like a whole that's like a whole week for me, dude. So keep that shit out of my fucking hotel and get in my bed and I'm gonna fucking break your pelvis. <laughs> that girl has goals, dreams, aspirations. I wish her nothing but the best. Uh, yeah, I felt kind of bad that, like, all her friends and family are now gone. That's that's kind of a bummer. Yeah, that's kind of a bummer where she's like, yeah, no, pe the people I know and love have are dead because of a mutant bear. But I'm going to keep at it. I wish her well. I hope yeah, she's doing all right. Yeah, yeah, man. It, yeah, that was a bummer to what was otherwise probably the funniest episode of the show. But Deneen yeah. <laughs> herself is delightfully funny and delightfully, uh, Delightfully, very amusing character. Yeah, I like to. I like to. Totally, I just wish Totally didn't look like Wuka from Went to Girlfriend, but that's just me. Okay, you know. Okay, okay, okay. I resemble that remark. Uh, I mean, I'd say just because I say just because you're correct doesn't mean you're right, but honestly, you're not wrong. That that that's kind of that's kind of the impasse we have reached. You are. Speak for yourself. I don't know who you're just, talking about. Amon just in his lane, just completely <laughs> unaware of the the. Rent a girl. Rent a girlfriend. Looks stupid. I do not engage. I don't either. either. I just it's problem? just an observation. Amon, I could just tell you completely out of context stuff, like how people have been memeing a guy getting a boner at a pool for months now. Oh, oh, I remember that part. Like, look, I don't voluntarily engage with Rent a Girlfriend. So, I learned about uh, yeah. you people. Rent a Girlfriend is one it. of those everything I know about this show is against my will. Uh, and I watched exactly <laughs> one season and went never again. A little bit. I'm glad Alex. Also, you laughed when I told you that the first time on Discord, man. <laughs> I'm glad Alex Lee is doing well for himself. Hmm. 
He's not showing up. To, he's work? not showing up tonight. But I'm just glad that guy is doing well for himself. You know who's also better off? Jonah Scott. Yuichi. Ah. Yep. Okay. Uh, well, to, uh, well, better off. Uh, well, better look, off is kind he, of a subjective statement, depending how yeah. you view a story. So, Jonah Scott is a really fucking good actor. Oh, yeah. Jonah Scott's a really good actor, but I almost kind of worry that I think people kind of typecast him as, like, the really, like, cool, suave guy for, like, a lot of his stuff. That he's either, like, the, the kind of awkward, lanky guy, or they cast him as, like, the really cool, like, suave, hot, big brother kind of character. So I kind of love that he plays Juichi, who is kind of this gross little freak of nature. Because, like, Juichi's not really cool. He's just kind of, like, he's just kind of this freaky little, like... He's, got, he's kind of a weirdo. He's just kind of this freaky little guy that he's just kind of, like, trying to scam people on stories when he's actually dealing with his own genuine, like, trauma and survivor's guilt. So, like, when he deals with, like, the actual realization that, oh, no, my child is alive after all, like, the, yeah. the weirdo guy facade where he's... Like, he's just kind of this freaky little lanky fuck. And Jonah plays him as this weird little lanky fuck. So, like, when the facade actually drops and he's reunited with his child and he's just actively, like, breaking down on the verge of tears, like, I'm genuinely fucking feeling for him. And, like, Jonah's... Like, Jonah's fucking really going for it and really making me feel... A lot in that moment. Yeah. I, was, I was like really impressed. Uh, yeah, I thought Duda had a really good range here. Uh, in between kind of upsetting, pretty shifty when he first beat the guy, like just clearly somebody get dressed. And then sort of like, co and kind of slowly building a rapport with uh, Kiriko and Maru. And I thought, and I, and I thought they made like a fun little trio for like the brief amount of time they were together. Like even even so, for the two episodes that they exist in, they have a fun they have a fun chemistry together. Like I wouldn't even say uh, he like does a pervy thing. He's just like, hey, uh, you're you're gonna go in this town that's run by women. Uh, mm -hmm. they they are a lot of them are uncomfortable but big tits. So uh, you be careful there. You be careful there, my dude. He's just a weird guy, and like I love episode ten that makes them all look like a bunch of weirdo guys. And, and you know, yeah. I'm all about that shit. I'm all about that shit. He's a, he's a, yeah, yeah, so does a good job sort of between like the gentleness of the comedy and then like the whole tragedy in the situation where like uh, yeah, where he's where he's so bitter about uh, the fact that his escape attempt got ruined. Yeah, he's kind of bad about it. There's, he's kind of batting up a trade. There's this tragedy in the sense that he effectively got his happy ending. His enemies are dead, his child is alive, and the people that were victims and, like, prisoners managed to escape and start a life of their own. Yep. But because he knows exactly who was the guy that narked, narked on him, that, like, his friends and his children are dead because he yelled that there was an escape going on, he took that fucker out in a very oh, yeah. violent way. That is a very yeah. good, very violent scene. And you could see that, like, there's this very, like, unsettling way that he's just wiping the trickle of blood off of his child's face as he's just, like, 
solemnly, like, smiling and being a parent. See you yeah. bye-bye is a very good catchphrase. Really made that stick. Oh, yeah, man. Mm, yeah, 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 George, I don't know where else to bring it up. It's... I mean, it's just something I remember hearing from, like, an episode of The uh, and After Show I was watching, where they were kind of talking about it, and I've for a while. And I'm not totally sure and I'm not totally sure it's the case, because, again, like, this show is a lot of fake mysteries. As I, as I bet they, uh, but they were speculating that uh, the couple Juichi uh, the couple Juichi was with uh, might have been those two girls who were uh, hanging out a lot. Oh, my movie. God! <laughs> what? Oh! No. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna be honest. That's not even too far fetched. That's not even too far fetched of a theory. I can't rule that out. Cause yeah, no, in heaven there is that there is that lesbian couple that are just like kissing and like being flirty with each other and like oh my, oh, oh, that's so upsetting. But that's so possible. Oh man. Oh. Oh man, this this shows a lot. This shows a lot. But yeah, my 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 final thesis is Jonah Scott is really good at playing cool, suave, sexy, big brother type characters. Let him play more fucking weirdos, because when he gets to play weirdos, he gets to play characters like Juichi, and he's really fucking good at characters like Juichi. Oh, yeah. And, like, the best part about his performance as Juichi, um, particularly with episode 9, before you really start seeing the character evolve, you can literally smell it before you hear it. Oh, <laughs> he does. He does smell very slimy. Yeah, like yeah. he plays Juichi, the um, in the initial in his initial appearance in episode nine, where he's trying to scam him. Like yeah. he plays it with such a level of grease. It's great. Very good grease. And then Very watching it evolve grease. in episode 10, just... Mwah. Jonas Scott's a damn good actor. Yeah, he is. Like, everybody knows him as, like, the meme, the meme lord and the... He's a really good actor. He's a really oh, good yeah. actor. Dude definitely showed his worth, especially in episode 10, because <laughs> I, still, I still remember how the whole thing went down. But that twist where he, yeah, that's a good twist. I oh with the with oh what the hell was it? It was just a rotating saw. But holy shit! Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a very like that. violent way to take somebody out. There's a lot. That is one of those. If you're taking somebody out that way, there's a lot of anger and passion into that kill. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I never saw that coming the first time I watched. Yeah, <laughs> never saw that coming. Shut up. No. Damn. I'm not making it. I was not making an episode of reference on purpose, I swear to you. What the, f- I what the fuck do you what the fuck do you mean a persona that, that, reference? I, I, I just thought that was a regular pun. It's a pun no. it's a pun but no. he used I was, a saw. He used a saw and you're like he never saw that coming. And I'm like, ha 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 
What the fuck's uh, gonna have uh, to do with Persona? Oh, uh, oh, uh, oh, uh, oh, uh, okay, okay, I get it. Okay, I get it now, but, uh, yeah, that, that was a different button. Oh, oh. It, I was, oh. Yeah. I was, how dare you? I was making a very clever observational pun by the weapon and the word saw, and you think I'm making a cheapo reference. Fuck you. I'm a connoisseur. I workshop this stuff. I'm not making a family guy reference. I'm serving you gourmet puns, motherfucker. Yeah, cool. Anyway, I was not making a joke. The only, the only thing I have to say is... Uh, uh, anybody else have any thoughts on Juichi? <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. Because we, there's not much to add here. He, I didn't mean to bust def- your balls about that. I was just offended because I was like, hey, that, I made a good one. I made a funny. Anyway, do we have any more thoughts or are we good to move on? I think we're good. Jonah Scott, Jonah Scott has a very great voice. I would, I would listen to him tell actual stories. He sounds great. Yeah. Let Jonah Scott play more freaks. Let, let most actors play more freaks. It's an undervalued. Damn <laughs> right. I think we're going to be talking about a couple of those in the next section. Yep. Mm. Yep. A few undervalued and maybe a couple assholes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's to just rip, rip, rip that bandit. All right. Yeah, let, let's get to it. Let's get to it. Yeah, so we pretty much have... Our next section is basically the medical section here because... We have uh, some, of the, some of our characters uh, from the Academy, which, thanks to Chuichi, we learned it's uh, Takahara Academy, by the way. Hmm. Yeah. So a lot of these are prevalent as, like, the caretakers in the Heaven section, with a couple of them being uh, survivors and perseverers in the Hell section. And then we have a couple people who we discovered this book in that world. One's a doctor. One's not actually. Yeah, alright. So who who are we talking about? We have the director of the Academy. I'm pretty sure she has a name, but I cannot confirm it just yet. I mean, her name is probably false because that woman is hiding a bunch of bullshit. Like the fact that she can walk. She can walk. <laughs> the last thought you have before your head's caved in. That's such a great bit. Like, everybody's being like, wait. <laughs> wait, you can just walk the whole time? Yeah. Uh, just look up the word ambulatory when you get the chance. Uh, we also have her assistant, Alshima. She recently... There's a, there's a whole web of deceit behind this. So, she recently... The director recently promoted her to assistant. She basically promoted her to be the assistant because it's like, oh, hey, I want to be a vampire that lives forever. I'm going to Orochimaru you and turn you into my new, younger, hotter body. Yeah, it is kind of funny you go into this thinking that, like, all the adults are kind of, like, a united front and kind of manipulating the kids. But it's like, oh, no, they all have their own, like, weird motivations, like... They're all kind of doing their own thing. They're all kind of like this weird, shitty cult, and they themselves... You assume that... Here's what it is. You go into this assuming they are the survivors at the end of the world, when you find out in reality, they're probably the progenitors of the end of the world. Probably. 
Vault, Vault Tech, Vault Tech. Vault Tech ass lunatic. I think you were going into this and being like, man, this scratches the Fallout anime which itch I never knew I needed. I, do you know how there, 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 there's a lot of there's a lot more pre-existing post-apocalyptic in this than I thought it was. Down to the point of, uh, I was, I was reading a plot summary of a movie that I, I am familiar with, but I've not read. A dog and his boy, oh. and uh, it turns out that has a lot more in common with episode ten than mm. I thought it did. <laughs> I guess. All right, sure, <laughs> whatever. This, 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 this. Look, let's get the post-apocalyptic fiction is good right here. Anyways. Yeah, anyways. Characters. We also have Dr. Sawatari, I guess the caretaker, part of the caretakers of these children. Uh, we've come to find out, like, towards the end, that uh, he discovers the good director's secret and is kind of very furious at why everything's taking place. To one point where everything just shuts down after an attack and uh, he kind of mixes up the babies, but... That wasn't his fault. Somebody attacked the school. Yeah, I kind of forgot that, like, the actual motivation for Maru is I need to find heaven, and I need to find somebody that looks exactly like me. And then it's like, oh yeah, there were two of them. Yeah, the weird thing about the mix-up is we don't even know what the makeup what the mix-up We don't know what the actual mix-up is. We just know that there was one, and it probably did go to the wrong hands. I like that it happened in an almost, like, comical, like, sitcom-y way when it's a very dire situation. Yeah, he just totally gets his head with his tie. He's completely bleeding and out Is everything okay? He's like, yeah, it's nothing. Tis not, but tis but a scratch. It's like, that. Are you, you're hurt. If I'm fine. Tis but a scratch. And it's like, I can't believe you got a Monty Python reference at the end there. A plus, Matty. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we also have Mina, the school's AI, uh, is in charge of security, and making sure these and, students are... And maybe the birth giver? Maybe? No, she... Okay, so Mina's basically just the AI for the other robots as well. Running a variety of functions from security to caretaking... Look, to look, it was a conscious decision to create a pregnant robot... What what's funny is I think they I think the director mentioned at one point that this whole academy is like her body, so I guess she's able to keep track on anything and everything that's going on within the school, uh, to the point that uh, she follows the good director's orders and tries to take Tokyo's baby towards the end. What happens next? We we won't don't know. know because season two is going to take a couple of years because this is a very immaculately put together show and it takes several more years to put together immaculate. Uh, miraculously put together second season of this quality. Yeah, then we get to the end of the world. We have a doc. All right, so Kiriko about going to this one downtown, trying to find the what's called the Immortal Order. So they come across uh, what they thought was the leader, but it's actually a leader for the other group called the Live Human, uh, Misuhashi. Uh, they're they're basically b- a bunch of crazy cultists that are like, we reject all machines! Which means that if any of them had a pacemaker, they would just rip their heart out to prove a point. Basically. Basically crazy hippie cultists. So, Kiriko would take a job from her, having to kill off what's supposed to be the Immortal Order's weapon, this 
Here quote, they have been hiding underground. They even had like one old man on the inside uh, at wearing security on it. So they go into this building and they find the Hiroko. They kill it. And then this other doctor comes out from hiding out of nowhere. Notices that Mario has killed the Hiroko and offers him another opportunity. This is We're talking about Dr. Usami here. Like we, like I said earlier, he's not a doctor. Basically, he even said himself, he just builds prosthetics on web, and he doesn't really do it for anybody else. But this one girl she's caring for, we'll, which I learned she does. We'll get up? to who he is soon enough. God, I hope so because it was very depressing what happened to him at the end of the episode eight. You know when he after Mario kills this little thing. Inside this girl's body, I guess it must have been something special to him because he kind of takes his own life afterwards. So, yeah, I... But you know who else's life I want to take? Oh, yeah, let's not talk... Oh, yeah, good old Robin. Robin Itazaki, who I thought was the member of the Asakusa Race Association, turns out... He's been uh, doing experiments in secret. Uh, yeah, so this point. this dude is sketchy AF. He's yeah. Okay. Woo. So we meet him in episode three during the flashback, and uh, he, he's very integral to, to uh, Kiriko, Kiriko's childhood, both Kiriko and Haruki. Yeah. Very much a uh, brother paternal figure. In their lives, yeah, brother. that they lost track of when they, uh, when they, uh, how do I put, how do I put it? Yeah, uh, when they, when they Nina Tuckered. Yeah, so, yeah, so, yeah. I was gonna say, yeah, brother, but total figure also might have been some. Uh, okay, two things. As much as I want to know, we don't know exactly for sure if that was him. The anime just keeps it ambiguous. The, the right anime now, is I ambiguous, but the implication that they are at least insinuating is that. He is partially involved in the reason why partially. one became two. Yeah, then we meet up back with him again the last couple episodes, to which I thought everything was going to be okay. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, no. No. Guys. This is the part where you probably just need to rip the bandit off. Yeah, to which you might want to take your headphones off for a second. Why? Because I'm, I'm about to say something I never thought I'd ever have to say on an episode. Sure? Okay. I kind of want to say this about Robin because after that whole, that whole uh, experience of the last couple episodes, I just want to say, F*** this. <laughs> like. Woo! Okay. Woo! Because the whole thing about it was, okay, they don't actually show it, but there's been implications that he raped Kiriko at the end. Oh, no, that's not implied. That, that, that is that, just, that, 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 I just, know. That's not implied. It is basically show just not, just supposedly in not a terrible way, which is appreciated. But Woo! Yeah, that is. Woo, okay. Okay, yeah, you got, Woo, okay. Yeah, so he raped Kiriko, 
And then when he gets caught by Maru later on, he tries to run. And then he tries to fight, which in both scenarios, big mistake. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, we'll all right. Did, did, before we go into that, did you want to talk about what you were wanted to say about that jet? Mm, I, I mean, uh, yeah, it, 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 it just, it, it, it ain't great. It is, like, 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 the rest of the show is great. That is just kind of the one, like, record it, it's, bit. It's, it's it, the most aggressively problematic, fucked up thing in the entire show. It very much comes out very swiftly, and it is like... It is about as fucked up and, like, triggeringly dysphoric to Kiriko as a character yeah. as it absolutely could be. I could tell it you is this a lot. Right it is a lot. I can tell you this right now. There was a little more in the manga, too. I believe you. I'm not surprised to hear that. Yeah, uh, from what yeah, from what I've been like told, secondhand, the manga also kind of deals with the fallout of that a little better than the anime does. But uh, the problem yeah. with the fallout is that we have so many minutes left on the clock of the season, so we can't really go into that too much. At least not until season two. All right. But play. But let's get into place these seven characters. <coughs> the director is played by Arzu Larson, whose only other role I could find is uh, she's strength in Black Rock Shooter Dodfall. Aoshima is played by Jefferson Bell, who you've heard is Tamaki Iwato in Suzume, and Valkyra in the Ultraman CG for Netflix. Oh, cool. Dr. Sawatari is played by Nick Martino, who has no other roles that I could find. Mina is played by Lisa Ortiz, who's burning in My Hero Academia. Lena Inverse in Slayers, Roxanne in Ultimate Muscle, and the assortment characters just pick anyone from the Pokemon franchise. She's she's probably been somebody, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean she directs it, so I'm, I'm pretty sure she's just everywhere. Oh yeah, she is Basically. also now the modern director of the Pokemon dub, you right. Mm-hmm. Mizuhashi is played by Marcy Edwards, aka Mary Hellscream. You've heard them in as Yu Yu Yuka Ayukawa in Blue Period, Nevada in Victory Bells, and because I'm on here, Yumiko and Yakuza like a dragon. Nice. Oh yeah, there we go. Uh Usa Doctor Usami is voiced by David Matranga, who's John Gaudier in uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Stone Ocean. Reisu were Buddy Daddies and Shoto Todoroki in My Hero Academia. And last but certainly not least, Robin Inazaki is voiced by Eric Vale, who's Tepe Takamiya in B-Dex B-Dex Neo, Kanta in Desert Punk, and Trunks in the Dragon Ball Z franchise. So, I would say to make this simpler, I think we should pair the Heaven and Hell characters separately. Yeah. And I think for this one, it's probably easier to go into the heaven side of it first. Yeah. I think there's a, there's a, it's, there's stuff to say, but a little less to say about that side in particular. Basically. Uh, yeah. I, I definitely want to give a shout out to, uh, Nick Martineau, who, this yeah. is my first time hearing him. I, I get the impression that he's done a lot of live-action dubs prior to, like, actual, like, anime dubs. Which, 
I gotta say, he was probably one of, like, my surprise favorites of the show. He's got this very interesting, like, I don't know how to... Kind of, like, dorky quality to him, I almost want to say, in that he's, like, a serious scientist guy that's very diligent to his work, kind of feels spurred that, like, he gets passed up for a promotion that's rightfully his, only to find out that the deal is you got passed up for your promotion... Because the other girl is basically going to be used and just chewed out for the director's insane immortality plans. And it's like, that's a lot to deal with. Where he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of stuck with a crazy person. And I'm trying to make sure that my friend, begrudging co-worker, doesn't die. But he's also very clearly got, like, an emotional, like, caring side to him. That he, like, he really does care for these kids. All these weird kids, he genuinely does care for them and care for their well-being. But he's also dealing with a lot of bullshit and struggling. Mm. Which, that's why I always think his little freak out with the twins getting switched out was very, like, dramatic, but also very amusing watching him freak out and do that. Mm. Honestly, Nick was, like, a very unique voice in this dub, and I actually think, yeah, no. For, like, what is effectively the first anime credit we could find him of, he's... He was a very, very interesting standout performance in my mind. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, Shout-outs also to uh, Jennifer Sunbell as Aoshima, who I think just has this very good, like, maternal quality, but also very, like, trying her best to keep this ship afloat. Because this is a very rocky, rocky boat. Led by... Oh, man, the director is a piece of work. Mm-hmm. That is a crazy lady. Very crazy. As a, as a, yeah, yeah, I didn't kind of appreciate how they matched one of Crowley's slits, because, like, because in the first few episodes, you're kind of meant to be like, oh, okay, like, this like this girl seems very shady, but you are giving the impression that she does care about the kids on some level. And, like, God, she these... seems like a nice lady that wants the best for these kids. Nope! Nope. Yeah, she she wants the best for these kids, so she has a nice selection of bodies. Yeah. Like she, like the mask slips, and she kind of goes from like benevolent old lady that's trying to shield these kids from a cruel world to literal Disney villain. I want to steal your baby so I can feed my nutrients into my old soul. Yeah, quite the character arc. Oh, yeah. Like, look, she's probably not going to eat that baby, but it's heavenly delusion. You can't prove that she wasn't not going to eat that baby either. Is it, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, if there's, like, uh, one... If there's, if there's, like, maybe one complaint I have about Ozzy's performance, and it is kind of, like, maybe a bit of a weird one, potentially. I didn't, like... Is it, is it, like I don't know, I guess it's kind of... I guess it's kind of weird, if I do feel like she maybe sounded, like, a little... Young for what's supposed to be like an eighty-year-old woman? Is it not not, not like yeah. young, young, but just kind of like I don't know? I meant to be like maybe a little like seemed a, seemed a little younger for the for the voice than what the character design is conveying. Yeah, yeah. You, you you say that, but I hear a slight husk, and it was bothering me. What voice it was reminded me of? Because I know I heard a voice type like this before, so. But no, I, I think that's that's at least a fair criticism. I at least get what you're going for. I think it still worked for the most part, but I can at least buy that 
at least in the early episodes, it maybe sounded a little younger than what these old crippled quote unquote woman is supposed to look like. Yeah. Though I think it does at least work in the later episodes when you realize, oh, that's a facade, and she's actually a fucking crazy psycho bitch. Uh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that, yeah, that bit I really enjoyed. She was great there. Oh, she is hamming it up when she just runs out of the chair. And, like, her fucking, the, that fucking poor lady who's just like, oh, she could, oh, she could run the whole time, just gets blown the fuck up. I didn't give it before that I kind of like the whole like conversation you had with uh, Dr. Sawatari about like when he got the whole like body stuff reveal he's like oh man like we, we can't do this really difficult he's like oh well you know who's gonna stop me I did not expect to make an Orochimaru reference in Heavenly Delusion tonight but I thought about it it's like that's ex- that's just exactly what Orochimaru does See, so you, you keep comparing to Orochimaru. I thought of Get Out. I thought Astra slightly. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, my God. Mostly because mostly I'm imagining a lot. Like, when she says, I'm going to put your mind in your body, I assume, like, oh, you mean you're going to scoop her brain out and put yours in. Okay. Yeah, that's, God, cool. that, uh, God that can, is Get I Out, can, isn't it? Yeah. Shit. Yeah. I'm, I, I could tell you this yeah, exactly right, because that was, I was left out in the anime, but they said that uh, in the manga that... In order to ha- to do a brain transplant, that the vessel has to be about thirteen years old, basically. I don't think they me- they mentioned that briefly in the anime. There's a bit there where like someone's trying to goad her into like it's going to take too long. You need to find a different solution. And first. then she's like, "Fuck you! Like I that. can live with the power of spite." Which I mean, it's yeah. and then she almost and then she almost that, drops dead. Yeah, yeah. That that's where Aoshima came in because what the plan was is to transfer her brain from. Out into Aoshima, and then once I mean, the vessel becomes of age, they transplant again to her. So. I mean, living your whole life, despite the fact that you are an angry, vile human being that is basically a melting meat sack for, like, over a century, is actually a lot more common than you'd think. Rip and piss Henry Kinsinger, by the way. Um, what you, Ayo! <laughs> I'm glad Twitter survived long enough for that fuck to croak. It was like, for one moment, it was a good website again. Uh, for one moment, we were all united. For one moment, we were all united. Anyways, uh, yeah, no, I think Anzu does a very solid job as the director, and also Lisa Ortiz does a very good job, sounding like a very cold, indifferent, maternal robot, uh, howl machine. Because it's like, it seems protective, but it's like, I think that thing can and will kill you at a drop of a hat. So Lisa does a great job sounding cold, conniving, and maybe very dangerous. And, you know, something I really like about the, um... You hit a lot of what I liked about sort of the... The heaven characters in the group really well. I just like how cold and sterile all of them felt. You know? Oh yeah, they are a bunch of mad scientists, broken fucking people. Like, not Basically. just, like, Mad Scientist is its own thing. They just felt sterile. It felt like listening to the equivalent of an operating room. Ooh. Ooh, I know exactly what you're going for there, yeah. Like, 
I mean, not only in the sense of, like, medical sterility, kind of, that kind of aspect of their performances, it's also sort of that corporate sterility, particularly with the director. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's good. You, you nailed a lot of my thoughts right on the head, but that's... That's one little bit I wanted to add on to that. Cool. Yeah, I think the heavy section of the group did very well. Uh, for most mostly new people, I thought they were very impressive. Lisa Ortiz, as me now, but, you know, it's always a delight to hear Lisa Ortiz today. Think I, I don't get to talk about her. I don't think I've ever talked about her before, but hey, it's first time for everything, but. Yeah, everybody did very impressive. And I, I, yeah, yeah, I like Lisa yeah. Ortiz. As, you know, I thought. As, as, uh, I mean, I, I feel like of all the heaven characters, that's kind of the one I've got like the least read. Yeah, uh, because, it's hard to tell what their deal is. Yeah, yeah, yeah because yeah, because there are instances where they seem alive with the director, but on the other hand, it didn't kind of seem like they were trying to uh, lead the kids to escape, which. Kind of seems opposite of what the director wants, so, uh, yeah. Uh, kind of very nebulous goals there. So that's the thing that's fun about Heavenly Delusion, but also the fun part that's, that we're talking about Heavenly Delusion. We got a lot of answers, but there are also so many more questions that we just don't know, and we are not caught up with the manga. But I think the the manga is now caught up to where the anime is as far as the English releases of the physical e releases, correct? E yeah, basically, it's like halfway through volume six, the anime is. Okay, cool. Yeah. So I could start there if I wanted to get more of this. Good to know. Good to know. Thank you. So y'all ready to move down to hell then? <laughs> I've, I've always ready to go down to hell with you, gents. I think we saved the worst for last in this case, so... I mean... Let's see. Mizuhashi, she runs a uh, machines are bad, technology bad cult. She throws her medical leg off and then she trips and falls and then she eats shit and then her second in command fakes her death and then goes on a bloody crusade and then they're all gonna die anyways because Maru forgot one of the man eaters anyways. So, well, lol, Lamau even. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I think that was this Brett Mukai as the second in command. I'd have to double check. I, I'm pretty it's, sure that was Brett Mukai, but yeah. I I, I will say this, though, because the whole thing about episode... You, you're right, they did fake her death, and uh, it was kind of a deleted scene, but I guess it was deleted for a good reason from the anime. So, after Dr. Usami commits suicide, uh, Kiriko starts coming down with a fever all of a sudden, and then Maru is just grabbing and trying to find a, a good place for her to recover. And then uh, Mizuhashi comes out of nowhere and uh, takes them to her house. And, uh, and then they, she finds out that, uh, yeah, I guess they were just using her for the old revenge. So I guess the hell with that cult. Yeah, it's very, it's very much that it's like, they're very much playing this as like, stop the human experiments. Stop. Stop force. It's basically they're, 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 they're marketing that group as like they are performing a bunch of Nina Tucker experiments on them, and then it's like, no, it's a bunch of people who got their like arms and limbs cut off, and then they put robot hands on them to give them better quality on life. 
Yeah, so I got this. But Andrew, they really want that building, and they're willing to lie to a lot of people. <laughs> I, like, there's there's almost like a Saturday morning cartoon level of evil CEO ness to this, where it's like we want to kick out all these wounded, disabled people so we could actually rule the world or something like that. It's like. It's just basically a Saturday morning cartoon where they want to get rid of the rec center it's a, and it, put in a shopping mall. Yep, yep, which, uh, yep, it is kind of funny that, like, again, we don't see what happens there, but, uh, there, there is still another hero going to basement, so, uh, whoa. Yeah, they're all fucked. <laughs> they're all dead. Yeah. Which, yeah, I mean, yeah, screw them. Marcy's fun, but also she gets fucked. Uh, that Mitsuhashi gets fucked, and is not, probably not dead, but that she's just, like, dealing with a bad, like, concussion, and then it's like, our great leader is dead! We must avenge her! So it's like, okay, y'all, y'all, y'all are just, y'all just want blood. Cool. It's, it's, it's really funny how transparently unconvincing her fall is, and but the entire cult just buys it because they're too far gone at this point. Oh, yeah, 100%. Place. But oh, yeah. Marcy's great, and... Yeah. Then there's Dr. Usumi, which... Man, you know who also is a really great actor who's been around for a long time that we kind of take for granted because of how long he's been in the game, but you know what? David Matrenga's a really fucking good actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hell yeah. Which, episode 8 is an incredible episode for many reasons, but sometimes a really good, dramatic, sad episode can also recontextualize your entire show. Oh, yeah. Because Dr. Usumi isn't just Dr. Usumi. He's Shiro Usumi. He's the little weird gadget kid from heaven who had a crush on the girl with the bunny rabbit ears... But he's stuck by her. He's stuck by her in sickness and in health. She was, like, critical conditions. Basically just bordering, like, living on tubes in a bed. Unable to speak. Unable to talk. Barely able to live. Just by being alive, she stopped being a monster. But his goal was that he wanted her to die as a human. So there's this very sad, very bittersweet moment of I want her to die with dignity instead of lose herself as a monster. And it's like, oh, man. God damn. Yeah, it was very painful to watch. It was painful and it was just a really good dramatic episode with a really killer twist that, oh, Everything that's been going on in heaven, that's all in the past. Everything that's taking place in the hell timeline is at least 15 to 16 years in the future. Yep. And you find this out one of two ways. One, the uh, flashback in episode three where they do the electrocot races... You can see a side out of the wall that says, like, X years after the Great Disaster. But also, number two is after Usami commits suicide, Kiriko notices there's something in his head, which is the emblem to Takahara Academy. 
which is what the thing is, but then you also have uh, Mimihime's effectively, like, real having the dream about her death, finding comfort knowing that Shiro's there beside her, and then it's like, oh, shit. Oh, shit, that's a real... That's a really good twist. That's mm-hmm. a really good twist. Like, that was really cool. That was a really good episode. But, yeah, also just... No, shout out to David Petrenga being this sort of, like, indifferent little weirdo who doesn't like people, but was doing it all for his girl. Through thick yeah. and thin, through the very end, he was there with her to the bitter end. It's like, man... A sucker for tragic love stories, motherfucker. Oh, and David. see that. David Betrager's really good. He's really, he's really good. He's a really good actor. I've loved him since Clannad, which, guess what? I've loved him since the first tragic love story that got me hooked into anime. Oh, uh, yeah, he was really good there. Fat, damn right. Any other thoughts about Usami before we just before we just go into? I, I think I think you covered it pretty well. Okay. Dude. Yeah. I, I will hold my tongue on Robin then. Whoever wants to throw the first punch. Uh, what a fucking slime bag. Yeah, is. man. Eric's great though. Like I, 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 I forget how good he is at I, playing just I, the worst. That, that, that seems to be his tendency a lot. Just playing a lot of scumbags it, yeah. and assholes it, and that kind it, of yeah, thing. Yeah, who's in a weird because. Because there is sort of, because Bandard's a really kind of weird evolution with this character. It's a, because, he, because, yeah. when he see, because when he's when he first, because when he's first introduced, he is kind of featured as a sort of like big brother figure in like Yuriko, like Barney's uh, life. And like, and he's I, this really cool big brother figure that's actually yeah. like he yells at the kid, but it's like, yeah, don't throw your life away, you idiot! I want you to live. Um, and like, and Eric is real, and Eric is really convincing there, and I said, like, uh, and you buy into it, and then you get the reunion, and like, and for like, and like, at first he seems, I don't know, like a little suspicious and kind of like weirded out at seeing Kiriko, though you're not his, really sure why. His face. His face upon seeing Kiriko is one of not of happiness or confusion. It's one of abject disgust. Like, like the like that thing you have suppressed has finally come back. The chickens have come home to roost. That's the look, and it's like, oh, oh, something's going on here. Yeah, oh, I, I have a the- I have a theory about that. Yep. Well, oh, let me get my so so Kiriko no uh, yeah Kiriko mentions his confusion at one point. It's like all right, my brain's in my sister's body, but my sister wasn't dead. And when that happened, it was like oh, Robin killed her. That that's what happened. Robin killed her. That's why she was dead to be to be an empty vessel for his brain. To you put do in. hear a gunshot. So there is the implication that somebody took her out so they could do this experiment. I, I got I got the impression that a, a thing that's being hinted at here is that his sister and Robin clearly had some kind of relationship that he was not privy to, and he is now getting like the ugly grotesque business end of that years. Yeah, later. the the implication the implication that Robin was 
grooming and abusing Kiriko is extremely very likely and almost 100% confirmed by the actions in episode 12 and 13, yeah. Yeah. It's just a shock to the audience because we're seeing it through the perspective of Haruki, the little gung-ho boy who idolized him and saw him as the cool big brother that he always wanted to be. Which makes it so much more fucking upsetting and so fucking... Oh my god, like... As fucked up and traumatizing as that is, Eric Vale commits. Eric Vale oh, yeah. commits to yeah. making that as fucked up and fucking. Oh man. Yeah, that's why I kind of dropped that bomb there a little earlier because. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because how he lost trust in this guy because he didn't know what was going on and when he does find out, holy shit. But yeah, Eric Vera does very well playing these types of characters. As a matter of fact... Which also, that is a very satisfying comeuppance Mm. with one of those... I I love that unique level of anger that is shown before the the punch is even thrown. It's Maru literally forcing him into the corner and like locking eyes with him so like just unmoving unflinching so when robin just kind of like tries to slip past him grabs him by the collar throws him back in the corner i'm not it's just like oh that's a level of quiet fury that like is so conveyed really well that it's like oh oh god and also robin may or may not be a be his own show tucker yeah, because yeah, there's that whole episode 13 stinger. Where it's like, yeah, he left. Uh, hey, this woman, she's a resident. She's brain dead, but she's alive, and wh- what the fuck is that thing? Questions for later. But no, Eric Fa- Eric Vale is... As I was saying with David Petrenko, I think there's just a bunch of actors who have been around for a long time, especially in, like, the Dallas Spear, that we are just kind of like, oh, yeah, they've always been a good actor. But, like, man, no, when you get some good material and some, like, banger direction, yeah, no, Eric Vale can be a very, very good actor playing a very, very bad person. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I, think I brought this up to him when I met him at Supercon earlier this year. To which, man, if this these episodes had dropped before then, holy shit. <laughs> like, it is I, I extremely a- good shit when actors you know get something that presumably challenges them. For sure, yeah, for they sure. Because they love themselves a good challenge. But, no, I think for sure, uh, definitely... Very impressed with uh, David Petrenka's Usumi, with just a very good, heartbreaking uh, reveal twist episode, but also just, I'm a sucker for a good uh, tragic romance, and also I'm a sucker for bitch-ass motherfuckers getting what's coming to them. Regarding Eric's character. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's all I got. So we good to move on then? I'm good. Any other thoughts before we leave? Uh, all right. Yeah. 
Uh, so, uh, uh, David Pacheco again. Eric Vale also good at playing a really terrible person. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, right now, let's get into these uh, kids from the Academy because, man, I got questions. Children of the Cord is a fun top. Is a fun uh, section header. I'll give you that. I I was trying to think what what does this situation remind me of because I could not think of other shows that were that you see kids like these so well I can think of one other show but I'm not bringing that up <laughs> yeah all right who but, who let's talk about these uh, kids yes we basically have of the the main character of this narrative more or less is actually no, I say main character. The majority, the time she is the perspective Tokyo. character of the perspective, heaven. the tertiary character. Let's put it that way. Ooh, big, big because, literary word. I like that. Yeah. So basically, so we have Tokyo. Uh, when we start the begin the show before we get to the hell part, uh, we we encounter this academy. Uh, we haven't quite figured out what her deal is just yet, but she's starting to. Explore feelings, which apparently is a concept that is not tied to the Academy, nor is exploring gender, but it, that's a different story. It's very she, clear that these kids are kind of left to roost in their own weird, removed-from-the-world society. So, like, basic dust. concepts like hormones and, like, sex education... And also yeah. self-preservation, because mm-hmm. these are just a bunch of freaky muted kids. Because one dude just falls like 20 feet from a filler, nearly cracks his neck, and he's just like, ow, that kind of hurt. <laughs> do, 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 do you want to know what I just realized this whole bit very slightly reminds me of? What? What's that? What's uh, what's another what's another thing where uh, they uh, a bunch of a bunch of scientists have a bunch of beings enclosed on the presumption that they are absolutely not going to reproduce and then it happens and it causes problems. Are you thinking Jurassic Park? I'm a hundred percent thinking of Jurassic Park. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> they fucking Jurassic Park them to their own peril. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Okay. Well, we found the Patreon clip for this. Okay. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. Uh, the dinosaurs will rule the earth once again. Man, that Maybe really does explain. Like, like, life finds a way. Uh, uh, uh. You didn't say the magic word. Uh, 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 your uh. scientists would so be thinking about if they could. They that nobody <laughs> thought if they should. Oh my god, that really. That. Oh my god, that makes so much of everything with Takahara Academy makes so much sense when you bring it in the perspective of, oh yeah, it's like Jurassic Park. Everybody fucked around and they found out. And now the world's ending. <laughs> I'm gonna have Whoops. to rename this section, don't I? <laughs> the, dinos- <laughs> the dinosaur children will rule the world. Anyways, let's talk, let's talk about these kids. Who may or may not uh, be secret dinosaurs. Uh, we just touched on Tokyo. Uh, we have Kona. It's a very good artist. Uh, kind of quiet. Just keeps to himself. He's been keeping to himself a lot because he was one of, I guess, one of the only two people of his year to... He's one of the uh, only know, kids I, remaining of his class, and that kind of class. fucks you up. Yeah, because he uh, experienced... He witnessed, he witnessed Ashura's suicide. 
Yeah, as, uh, he yeah, had as it turns physics. out, watching an alien girl hang herself would do a lot to your psyche. So then you become an artist. Yeah, he said he had feelings for her, and she said that's not that was not the kind of feelings I'm talking about, basically. And then we have some uh, really weird ones. We have Cuckoo. I'm gonna be honest; she's just that suited to me because her powers. Oh no! Oh, yeah, I mean, no, you're correct, and you should say it. Cuckoo is just Suyu Asui, which I love that she is equally as weird and just kind of like derpy. Mm. <laughs> yeah, basically. And but it's funny because she's also the one that points out to Tokyo about the whole babies kind of situation because she said your babies don't have faces. Uh, and then we kind of. I love that so much. I love how yeah. weird that is. I love how it's like, oh, this is so weird because everything about this environment is so fucking weird. Mm. Yeah, and then, speaking of when we have a taco, it's very athletic and very, I want to say indestructible, but he even points out at one point he falls 20 feet, just it hurts like a scratch on <laughs> Taka is a good boy, and he is one of four kids that we know for certain makes it to the outside by the end of the show. Because that's that's yeah. him. Anzu, who you don't have here, she doesn't get a lot to do this season, but uh, she's played by Courtney Lynn, and yeah. uh, she, she seems like she will be relevant later. I actually have a theory that I think Anzu is the girl... That introduced Maru to Kiriko and then died. You know, you might be onto something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Was, I'm fucking cooking right now, and it's like you, you brought up like the whole thing where it's like, oh hey, what if those cute little lesbian kids were actually the ones that got killed trying to help Juichi to escape? It's like, wait, I can't rule that out anymore. All of those kids could be dying. All of those cute, fucked up dinosaur kids could be survivors and died horribly in this fucked up world. You might be on to something. Anyways, let's hey. go. Speaking of one of the four children, we also have Shiro. I guess he's a techie at heart. Uh, has an attraction to Mimihime uh, to the point that out of randomly, she gets emailed a picture for some reason. Yeah, I'm still not sure what the hell happens there, but that had to deal with what I can only describe as the most awkward confession that I can't believe it worked. Basically. It only worked because these kids just do not understand how any of this information is supposed to work naturally. <laughs> because, like, if any other guy is talking to a girl where it's like, I think I want to possess you and keep you in my room and, like lick you all over, you'd call 911 on that guy. <laughs> I think that's the thing about being in this academy. That I, they don't really teach him social cues. They, they don't like teach him shit. Man fumbled the ball so bad he rolled into the... <laughs> he rolled into the goal line. <laughs> <laughs> that that that's really... That's upwards. <laughs> that really is the story of their, their romance. Motherfucker fumbled so hard and then just got like the tragic romantic ending. The fact that from the beginning you know the end makes it all the more endearing. Mm-hmm. And then there's Mimi Hime, which she just has bunny ears. Yeah, she has bunny ears, has 
the power precognition basically like she can see things other people can't like a dead Asherah head gift from the ceiling after years. Oh, her, yeah, her power's rough. That's a rough one if you don't know how to control it. Yeah, because yeah, she stated herself that, like, there are things that, like, she sees into the future that could probably happen, like, ten seconds from now, and vice versa. Like, she, like she did not realize she witnessed her own, tr- like, traumatic death 15 years later. She just realized it was a dream, and she recognized that cute, weird guy was there with her. Uh, so yeah, Mimahime is she is very sweet. She is very weird, but also she is very cute and a very good big sister to and uh, ve- yeah. And she also is very good hearing. It's 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 hard. Yeah, she has very big ears. The better to hear you with. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she's also a very good sister to uh, Oma, uh, one of the uh, one of the new transfer students, I guess. Yeah, they uh, just have a new class. They just have a new class, which apparently is supposed to be the final class, according to the director. Uh, she sits in a lonesome because apparently her power causes problems to other people. Her power is basically, if you stare into her eye, she can manifest your worst nightmares. Yeah, that's a, that's a rough power. No wonder the kids want to stay away from you if they think of their worst traumas when they look into your eyes. Uh. That's a rough one. Some of these, some of the, this has like a very big like X Men like moral quandary where it's like I hate my powers. Says Rogue, the girl that touches everybody and kills them, and then Storm being like, "No, your powerfuls are a beautiful gift." Says woman who can control the very forces of nature at her beck and call. It's got that kind of energy. Yeah, it's got that kind of energy, but. Playing these seven, I'm gonna actually stop backwards. Uh, Omer is played by Madeline Doro, who you've heard is Cody Hida, Digimon the Golden <laughs> Digimetals, aka Digimon the Movie Part 2, the new South Cadence dub, Yu Takasaki in Love Life, Niji Kasaki, and Young Moranjo in Ranking the Kings. Mimihime is played by Tia Ballard, who you've heard is Nene Yashiro in Toilet Bad Hadagokun, Yoshido in Data Life, and Garm in Guard the Animation. Uh, Shiro is voiced by Hao Feng, whose only other role I could find is he's harder in Oku the Inner Chambers. I think he's uh, a predom- I think he's predominantly more of a live action dub actor too, from what I can understand. That would make sense. Uh, Taka is voiced by John Choi. Not to be confused with John Cho. Uh, you've heard about Suteso in Oku the Inner Chambers. And Tetsu Tatsumura in Summertime Rendering. Cool. Mm-hmm. Cuckoo is voiced by Madeline Morris, who you've heard as Erichi Tada and Hyoka. Uh, since we brought My Hero Academia, she's Yui Kodai. And she's Hotu Hoshikawa in New Game. Uh, Koda is voiced by AJ Beckles, who you've heard as Shiki Tadamaru in Komodo Jihen. Joko Love McDonald in Shabby King 2021. And Takamichi Hadagaki in Tokyo Avengers. And Tokyo is voiced by Brittany Lardo. You've heard his Foo Fighters in JoJo's Bizarre Adventures, Stone Ocean. Kao Daichi in Ladies vs. Butlers. And Rico in Made in Abyss. Hmm. So I think for this section, let's start with the 
the latter three, uh, Bibi Hebe, Oma, and Shiro, because... Oma's a cute kid, but Madeline doesn't really get a lot to do, aside from cry and feel bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, basically. Play sad but... melodica solos. <laughs> like, she's got the sunglasses, she would be perfect for the jazz scene. She just needs ah, to... I knew I wasn't God. the only one thinking oh, that. I knew I wasn't the only one thinking that. Come on! Oh. <laughs> no, 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 Andrew, Andrew. Donald Fagan from Steely Dan wears sunglasses and also does a lot of melodica solos in concert, and I didn't make that connection until you mentioned it right now, and I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I hate my brain. So what you're saying is this cute trauma, this cute trauma toddler would be perfect for the Steely Dan Twitter account. Drink scotch whiskey all night long and die behind the wheel, man. Like, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Okay, I'm sorry. I, I, I had to laugh because we're literally just talking about Madeline Doro and a char- Megan just texted me saying that Madeline Doro's playing a new major character in Fire Emblem Heroes. Yeah, that's oh. right. <laughs> so that just caught me off guard that we were talking about her and then it's like, oh hey, that cute fox girl, I was wondering who played them. Oh, it's the character we're talking about right now on recording. Wow. Hilarious. So yeah, no, Oma's a cute kid. Uh, Good luck with that trauma. Anyway, speaking of trauma, Mimi Hime. Yeah. So, I found out, I think, around the time this dub started, that I think Tia Ballard actually did recently move to uh, California, because she's now actually directing stuff at IUNO. Uh, we'll actually be, I think we'll actually be talking about something that she directed there very soon. Or have talked about it soon. Depends on when this comes out. Might come out after. Anyways, uh, Tia Ballard is a real... I'm going to say this dub is, the biggest compliment I can give this dub is I feel like this is reaffirming a lot of actors I've always just kind of thought... Yeah, no, that's that's a name I associate with good quality anime dubbing. <coughs> but didn't really think more on that. And it feels like this is a show and this is a team that is letting a lot of actors from the Dallas scene that I always just associated with good quality <coughs> and really letting them play with some pretty spectacular performances. Tia's really, really good as Mimi Hime. Uh, like, really good. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but I like what Tia's doing a lot. She does a really good job of making Mimi Hime come off as, like, a very kind of spacey initially and sort of, like, has her has her head in the, head in her head in the clouds a lot. But, the same, but as you kind of gradually uh, get to see more of the character, you kind of tell she's... Uh, she does a better job of like observing things and she lets on like especially especially when it comes to her dynamic with some of the other characters with like Shiro or kind of uh, or kind of like seeing everything that's going on with Tokyo and I thought that Tia did really well there too and it was kind of interesting that like when you know that, that uh, when the bombs come and like they can finally escape to the outside she's kind of the one. Not necessarily leading the charge, but it's kind of the one willing to, like, actually go out and, like, see what's out there. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I thought T is a powerhouse where she wants to be, though. Because I really thought, I, when I heard her this, I mean, it, it, it's a, this the tier voice we all know and love, but I've never, I don't hear her as a lot of soft-spoken characters as much, and especially when she has to keep a straight face with all the stuff she was talking about. It's like, it's okay, it's no big deal. It's like, any other person, I'd be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> but, you know... Calm, cool, and collected is not something I hear from Tia often. She did very well as Mimi Hime. Wait, I also want to give a shout out to Hao Fang as Shiro, because obviously he grows up to be David Betranga, but like, how? I, I, like, it's very clear that he is. Oh, fuck. What? The, that's why you said Shiro Usumi? Holy sh! Wait, Wait, did you not get that? No! I'm... Wow. Jamal! Did you not realize Usumi was Shiro? Dude, I read the manga too. I didn't even notice. Uh, I, I mean, I mean, How I mean, did I mean, you I mean, not like, notice? I mean, like he, he was holding the button. He was holding the button and everything. He was holding I, the yeah, button. He call, she calls him an idiot. Literally, the reveal that that was happening in the past is right after they die. Did you not realize that? It, it, oh my god, you didn't realize that. You know what okay there, man? Come on. <laughs> you good? Yeah, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine. I just, holy shit. <laughs> wow, I just blew your mind. Yeah, no. That, his... That would be why he's called his his full name would be Shiro Usumi. I really hope that comes out of the manga next, cause man, I I think that's the the subtext they were already alluding to already. Like that that that's why they did that reveal in the episode where Usumi shoots himself. <laughs> Like, you can even vaguely... Like, it's hard to tell, but, like, in the please let me die, when you hear that girl in the hospital bed, like, that's Tia. That's Tia Ballard saying that. Did I... Did I are you good? I feel like I broke you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, boy, it's a lot tonight. <laughs> All right, yeah. Ed begged against the wall. Anyway, Shiro Usume, I gotta say, uh, How does a pretty interesting job. Like, I, I get the impression that he's definitely, compared to some of the other members of his class, uh, he's definitely a lot greener when it comes to working with anime dubbing specifically. But I think he's got this very interesting, like, vocal tone to him that's like, I wouldn't say it's shy, but it's almost a lot more, like, repressed. I think is the word I want to use. Yeah, that's not the word, right? Yeah, probably. Because he's like this awkward kid that like likes to tinker with his toys, is confronting with the fact that he has feelings for a cute girl, and also saw her naked. Not sure what's that about. I really like episode thirteen where he like he swoops in to save her from falling to her death, and like you can see he's kind of trying to formulate the romantic words in his mind very awkwardly, but, like, still trying, where it's like, 
I would do everything in my power. Like, I would sacrifice my body limb for limb to make sure that you could be okay because I truly am in love with you. Which, those ri- words ring a lot more true and a lot more sad when you remember, yeah, he's the doctor that has been keeping her alive and from turning into a man-eater for years and wanted her to die a human's death. As, as, uh, yeah, to, uh, yeah, to which, uh, I don't... Yeah, to which, uh, we didn't touch uh, too much on Oma, but, uh, when he... So, uh, but, uh, when the illusions kind of, like, maybe he may show her getting, uh, cut up by machines, that, uh... It definitely hits, hits different when you know what happens to her. Oh, yeah. And it's a lot more sad, and especially when you realize that he... When you look at his eyes when he's a kid, and it's like, yeah, that's the eyeball he gave her. Like, just that bittersweet memory of, like, I love how kind you are. I love watching you tinker with your toys. I love how you gave me your eye. I love you. And I'm like, man... Man! From the beginning, you know the end post-apocalyptic romance stories. It's like episode one where you see that couple that... The environmental storytelling of that couple that starved to death but died holding each other at the very end. Love that shit. Fucking, Fucking inject that romantic angst into my veins. What, anyways, what I was saying is Howe's got a very interesting, repressed voice to him that becomes a lot more confident, especially in the final episode, and he does a good job. Sorry, I keep talking oh, yeah. and rambling. I just, I got a lot of thoughts in this one. Yeah, so do I, but you've taken most of my thoughts, so that's a good thing. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, you can get, you can t- Taka and Cuckoo, you, you guys get yeah, that. Yeah, let's put them together. Let's put them together. Let's leave the other two separate, though, because... I mean, they're pretty uh, good. I mean, they're pretty good. They're pretty good together too. Hey, oh, oh, definitely. They have some good chemistry together. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, there's some good snark there. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, not much to talk of that he's resilient and he's uh funny, but uh. That that boy is thick. That yeah. boy could like he could take a good slam on the noggin. Mm-hmm. As a, as a, yep. as a, um, so, uh, yeah, I did kind of find it. Yep, yeah, I will admit I did kind of find it funny that he's the only one who's just that when everything's going down, he's the only one who assumes like, oh yeah, the clearly this really is just like a random ordinary test that the teachers are giving out there. It's just nothing suspicious going on here. There's like the three creepy little girls that are screaming, "Danger, danger, danger!" Yeah. And he's like, "Wow, this is a really elaborate test." It's like Taka. What a pure innocent child. <laughs> yep. Yep. You fucking dumb motherfucker. I hope he's doing okay and has neither died horribly or become a rapist. Why would you say that? That's gonna happen now. Uh... You, you, Andrew, you have not read enough of these stories. If you give them an opportunity for ironic conclusions, they will take it. Don't leave the don't do it. Don't don't do it. I only say that because there's this weird, like they say Robin Inazaki. The fact that they say Robin Inazaki as his full name 
in itself tells me they're trying to clarify Robin is not one of the kids. That's what I assume the in, in, insinuation by saying Robin Inazaki instead of just Robin. I'm assuming that we have got him his full name means that Robin Inazaki is not one of the kids from Takahara Academy. Better not be. <laughs> but the odds are low, but never zero. Yep. There, That's why I'm saying the trouble. I hope Taka is a good boy and doesn't grow up to be Robin. Mm. Well, I, I find it much Aimless. more I find it much more likely that he dies in a comical fashion, I'll be honest with you. Yeah, probably. He's that he uh, the fir- the first person to get eaten by a man eater is Taka. Because he thought it looked fun. Ugh. Anyways, uh, I, I think John's got this very John brings this great level of himbo energy to him that's just like, ah, oh, yeah, I want to make him feel better because he could throw that rock really far and I can throw that rock really far too. Just just watch me, guys. I can, I can do it. I, can, I got this. And it's like, you don't got this, buddy. You don't got this. Yeah, I can tell you really love that role too, so. Yeah, yeah, and then, uh, yeah, and then, uh, I don't think you're gonna like what I'm about to say. Oh, hit me. Hit me. So, nothing definitive, but Taka's name translates to Hawk. (sighs) Fuck you! (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you! See, Uh, I told you, Andrew, don't do it! Fuck! Fuck! It's, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it was so loud here I was about to say something. Well, not as upsetting, but... Would, would you like to clarify for the rest of the class, Roots? Hawk! Hawk, Robin, Robin the fuck you! Oh, I'm, oh, oh Patrick, no, Patrick, I'm gonna fuck... No, 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 Fuck you, fuck you! Oh, I'm gonna... Oh, I'm gonna beat your ass next time I see you! Um, um, and here, and, and, and here I was about to say something upsetting about a slightly different topic. So, so, uh, so, uh, so, so, uh, Madeline Morris's cuckoo is, uh, pretty, uh, pretty fun, does a pretty good job sort of playing a, kind of, sort of playing kind of like, well, not upsetting, but it's sort of like weird, maybe mildly upsetting for all kid who's basically just sue you. So, so, and, uh, so, and, uh, once again, it's going to give you, like, some weird, uh, some fun speculation I was hearing on, like, the Indian after show, because they were also trying to, like, figure out the mysteries of the show. See, once the reveal that this is 15 years in the future, everybody's trying to figure out who could be who. Yeah, so, 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 so they figured out pretty early. Yeah, so they figured out, so out pretty early on that, like, a lot of the bad eaters are probably just, like, that a lot of the bad eaters are probably escaped kids. And, uh, so, so, and, uh, one of the, and uh, if one of them did end up being cuckoo, um... Oh Jeez. no! Uh, uh, no! Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, at least you know, uh, at least you got to go out. Yes, you know, uh, having some weed, just as you do. Oh no! <laughs> no, not the freaky fish. I mean, oh. Kona did draw that. So. Kona did draw that, and she's like, "I like oh, oh, that makes me feel." Uh, we're, oh. we're blowing so many minds today. We probably have to apologize to Felicia at some point. Oh. Oh, that, oh my god, that's, oh, you're so, oh, oh, that one just makes me feel really bad. Because, yeah, I love the reveal that all the cute drawings were, all the freaky Kiriko, all the freaky man-eaters were the drawings that, uh, 
that uh, Kona was drawing. Uh, I think there might have been more to it than that. Uh, pr- uh, oh, there's always more to it. Oh, oh no, she's the fit. Oh. Now that just makes me feel sad. Because I really like Madeline Morris as Cuckoo. I love that she's just this freaky, weird little girl who's like, I like it. Hey, you want to see a baby? <laughs> I, like, there's, there's just this weird charming derpiness in the way she delivers her slide. Hey, come on. I gotta see the babies. It just stuck with me. Like, there's just, like... Because Maddie's an interesting actress, but there's oh, this, yes. there's just this very fun delivery in the inflections for Cuckoo in particular, where it's just like, ah, I like them. I'm not sure how to... Muppet. Madeline Morris is playing a Muppet. Yay. Yeah. And I, I really like it. I think it's fun. Yeah, Madeline Morris is always like, man, it's been so long since I've talked about it, though. Good good writer, even better frog. Mm. Uh, uh, yeah, I suppose so. Uh, uh, I just wonder what it would have been I like, got her. On Earth 2, where she got canceled this year, that would have been weird. Oh my god. Ooh, man. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's at least a nice alternate reality frog girl. I, But yeah, Cuckoo, Cuckoo's just a very fun, strange character that I think Maddie's just got the right strange, quirky inflection for this character that's just pitch perfect. Patrick, I'm still yeah. fucking angry about that hawk thing, by the way. I swear <laughs> to- <laughs> <laughs> no, it uh, may be nothing. It may it be nothing. It better be nothing. It may be nothing, but it's more something than it should be, and that's why I'm angry. Any more, th- any more thoughts of these two? Because I really want to get to the main two here. No, I think of I'm this good. section. Mm-hmm. I'm good. I think I've done enough okay, psychic cause... damage for one day. <laughs> no, you haven't. Oh, I, you bet your ass I haven't. <laughs> Nah, Andrew did board, so, uh... Coda! AJ Beckles. I, I'm glad I get to talk about AJ Beckles, man, because... Woo! Let me tell you. I met this dude in Supercon, and I was so excited when this episode could happen, because he's a, he's a very great guy. Let me tell you that. AJ's I was, super chill, yeah. Yeah. I, w- <laughs> I also found out what, uh... What the lesson's name means, but uh, I will say this though: if you ever talk to AJ Beckles, please talk to him about Komodo Chihei because he really loves that show. Like he loves getting to work on that. I I do think he was he's definitely very good here. He's very very soft spoken. Like I think that's why it's so interesting to me is that this is probably one of like the more softer spoken characters I've heard AJ pull off. Because, like, a yeah. lot of, like, other stuff I associate with him is typically a lot, like, spunkier, more, like, prone-to-fight kind of characters. And Kona's just kind of, like, a... is, like, a strange, like, quiet artist who well, finds, like, this very tender connection with somebody. It's a, it's a, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's in the most polite way possible, but I... But, like, I, but like, I swear, like, if I... I swear if I wasn't paying attention and you, like, and you didn't tell me who it was, I would have just it with Johnny and Bosch. You know... I mean, I looked at... You I know... 
John Young Bosch or Zeno Robinson in time too, because there was a moment he <laughs> pretended to be Zeno. You know, honestly, Chet. Uh, yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. I mentioned this in the Tokyo Revengers episode, but AJ can pretty seamlessly switch between like Johnny Young Bosch, Zeno, and Greg Ayers. Like pretty seamlessly a, that... gap the three of them pretty well. Which those are all equally like talented praise in its own right, but yeah, I'm just... Conan's just a very strange character. I think AJ just brings the right amount of, like, awkward, like, distant vulnerability to this kind of person. And I think he genuinely has, like, this very tender connection with Tokyo that I think is very charming. It's, it's, uh, it's, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, but, yeah, I like their dynamic. Uh, and you can definitely tell through, like, AJ's delivery that... Go- the, the, well, Conan may not necessarily have, like, all the answers on, like, everything about life that the teachers are hiding. He does at least, like, know, he does at least understand these things a bit more than the other kids do. And, like, you and that gives him a kind of sense of maturity that you can, like, sort of sense in AJ's delivery. And I think he handled that really well. And it, and it makes this whole dynamic with Tokyo pretty interesting. Yeah. Because you realize at the end, like, the two kind of have a uh, sort of an affection, definitely an affection for each other. To the point, I he had, like, a little psychic link, like, when Tokyo was given birth. Because I I guess it was, in his mind, it would probably feel like something close to sympathy page or something. But he doesn't know He doesn't know that. He's just experiencing it. Kona's, Kona's a good boy, I believe, in another lifetime he would pay child support. Mm. It's, uh, yeah, to, yeah, to which, uh, man, I really, I, I hope he makes it out okay, but I, I'm not feeling optimistic. Oh, yeah, like, we just <laughs> talked about, hey, what if the cute little frog girl turned into the fucking freaky weed fish? And it's like, yeah, nothing sacred. We just talked about those cute little kids in a lesbian relationship that probably might have died horribly trying to save Juichi. It's, nothing is sacred. I, I I feel like you're probably gonna be pretty. Assume everyone dies horribly, this, then you can't be disappointed. Yeah, I'll say if nothing else, if all of the if most of those kids wind up being the Hiroko we see throughout the show, that's a very morbid but very strong twist. Well, considering that hospital scene, it was at one point Tokyo looked over at Kona, and Kona looked. Looked like a bad eater all of a sudden. Like, literally. So. Yeah, this is a good tragedy. Nothing's too far out of the realm of possibilities. Yeah, this is a good tragedy. Yeah, I at least don't think he's been one one of the ones we've seen yet, so. uh, Oh, yeah. I don't know how to describe this. What? Jeff, this is an honest question for you because I kind of want to figure this out. What is the difference in your mind between good tragedy, good drama tragedy, and, like, torture porn? Um, I, I, I mean, 
It's a, I mean, good. Tra I mean, good tragedy has a lot of setup. Um, you sorry? Does he want to like actually get you? Uh, so, I mean, does he want to get you attached to the characters? He's like kind of, sort of saying something. Get the tragedy, and then torture porn is just sort of like uh, here's a bunch of bad stuff happening constantly. Gross like, shock value terrible. to characters that don't deserve it, and we're, we just wanted. We just want to draw gross stuff to shock you, and that's all she wrote. Okay. I, I wanted to at least discuss that, because even in, like, what I would describe as, like, Heavenly Delusion's most fucked up problematic moment, I would argue there's at least some level of, like, exploration of its characters. Yeah, definitely think there's a heavy bit of exploration going on, because, again, with the Academy, they don't teach them shit, so they... Basically, fending for themselves. And then other there's. Than chat. Okay, yeah. Oh, go ahead. And then there. there I was just going to go into the, the discussion about Tokyo, unless somebody else uh, wanted to take that ball running. I was waiting for you to do that. I, I, so. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think. Sorry. I think, I think you're. Torture porn is cheap. Uh, it, it's it's unearned. Like, not even. Unearned is a. You know, that, that could be a taste thing, but I think a lot of it is um, when it's done. When that kind of, like. Emotional conflict is just done poorly. It just feels very cheap. It's just like, no, this isn't interesting or satisfying. It's just, ugh, it's just sad, yeah. like bad things happening. And why do I, why do I care? And why is this happening? Ugh. And I feel like the good trauma, the good drama, especially when they're we're going backwards and forward. It's like setting the breadcrumbs for knowing something happened here. It's. It's it's you know what it is it's it's environmental storytelling in a zombie post-apocalypse movie. Like um, I was I know you're talking more about sort of emotional stakes rather than literal, um. But when I think of like you know, uh, the, the torture porn horror movies were very popular when I was in high school and I was never very interested in them. And that's mostly like well, just watching someone suffer for two hours. Like why is that entertaining? Like is that it? Just they're in pain. Why 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 would I watch that? And I think, yeah, a lot of the good drama of something like this, even if it's horrifying, and even if you know some of these characters are going to go through grisly fates, mm -hmm. is the character and the dynamics yeah. are strong, are compelling, and worth making it through the show. There's there, setup and conclusions and arcs and, and so on. Like, it's building to something. There's a point behind it. And, <laughs> yeah, even the stuff you don't know what's going to happen next. There's stuff to go through. Especially when we talk about Tokyo, because, yeah, Tokyo is a good girl who does not deserve any of the bullshit that is thrust into her life. I also like the reveal that, yeah, Tokyo is probably Maru's mom. To which I really do appreciate the way they... I really do appreciate the way the graduates set up that twist because at the start of the show you're supposed to assume, oh, okay, that's like the the kid that looks like Maru yeah. is going to be Tokyo. Yeah, yeah, sure. So like, okay, that's like Maru's twin, like sister or brother because a strange sister because yeah, yeah, different stuff. So, uh, yeah, because uh, yeah, because also like towards the beginning, and because also towards the like early parts of the show, they kind of keep Tokyo's gender ambiguous, which I think Brittany does pretty well. Yeah, that was one of the reasons I listed Ladies vs. Butlers, because when I first heard her play that character, she definitely had an ambiguity kind to it, because it was a boy, but it turns out it was a girl dressed up as a boy. I know Britney can, like, 
pulled that off very well. I mean, she even said herself that, like, with, as, when playing Tokyo, like, there was some personally triggered content, but she was grateful to have someone as compassionate as Felicia to guide her. So, to which I said to her that it takes a special kind of person for the leads involved, especially when we get to the main section, because, oh my god. I, yeah, but, no, Brittany's an incredibly talented, talented performer, and a lot of Tokyo's awkward vulnerabilities, but also, like, morbid curiosity to see what lies beyond the world presenting itself and also a very very painful painful confused she is giving birth and she doesn't understand what is happening yeah that's gonna be which nobody's explaining it to tokyo either which like which like we as the audience know the concept of birth and childbirth Nobody has told Tokyo anything. She has been separated for people she knows and loves for nine months. And then when it finally happens, it's the most painful, traumatic thing. And she doesn't know why this is happening or what's going on. And nobody's telling her what's happening or if she's even going to survive. That is as fucked up and cruel to put on to this child as you could do is that she is going through something and you are forcefully omitting things that she deserves to have the peace of mind to know. And like the, the whole giving birth scene is like equally as traumatizing. It's like, it hurts. It hurts. Please make it stop. Like nobody's telling her it's going to be over soon. You're doing great, sweetie. No, just keep pushing. The cold, sterile, like, robot eye staring as you as you are dealing with the most painful, confusing thing of your entire life. That's fucked up, bro. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's good drama instead of torture porn. I think I have my definition now. Good talk. Good talk. Anybody, anybody else? That's good. I'm good. Yeah, think think we're all good to be. Yeah, that's the scariest feeling that anyone could have, Brit- especially in a situation like that. But yeah, Brittany, <laughs> go ahead. I I was just going to gush and say, yeah, Brittany Lauda is an incredibly talented performer and did an absolutely incredible job making everything that Tokyo was completely convincing, compelling, and absolutely just like striking. Like I said, man, it takes a special kind of person. For sure. But, as much as I like all of these kids, they are not the heart of what makes the show work. To me, it's a tale of two travelers who found each other at the end of the world. Yeah, two in quotation marks. Uh, we go on to our final section. The, the main leads of this show and the ones you're going to see the most of. Uh, it's an interesting dynamic we have here. We have Kiriko and Maru. Uh, two travelers making their way around Tokyo. Uh, Kiriko is a bodyguard to Maru who does not understand where he came from and why he has to search for heaven. 
I know is he's supposed to get there to inject this medicine or something to this guy that looks like him. Kiriko's his spy you got, but Kiriko has a secret. Kiriko's got a lot of stuff going on, yeah. Kiriko is basically not one, but two people intertwined. See, what happened was, years ago, there, there was this kid named Haruki, and uh, he had a sister, Kiriko Takihaya. So yeah, they grew up together in this orphanage, raised by Robin. Uh, at one point, uh, Haruki's out observing his sister's race, because his sister was an electrocart rider in his race. Uh, comes across a man-eater that turned invisible. Uh, tries to take it out by himself, but in doing so, it kind of ate up most of him and he almost died. To which his sister tried to rescue him, but to no avail. Haruki wakes up one day. Suddenly has his arms and legs back, but to the shock, to the shock of his horror, he realizes... He inhabits his sister's body, to which he does not understand. So, going at this point, we're talking about Kiriko, who... They don't exactly understand what's going on. Why did uh, Kiriko have to die for Haruki to live? Yeah, that's some... That's, he, some, that's some survivor's guilt with the heaping helping of gender dysphoria. Mm -hmm. Good times all around. So dysphoric that when uh, they could they confess the, their situation to Maru, Kiriko doesn't exactly know how to deal with their feelings just yet. Yeah, uh, yeah Kiriko's whole deal is that, I mean, look, you've been calling me sis all this time, so uh, it's kind of whatever, but like, like I'm a dude, but hey, if you're going to call me sis, whatever, no biggie. I'm a dude, play the dude inside the body of another dude. God. All right, yeah, I'm, I'm for the sake of discussing Kiriko, I'm going to personally say for the character of Kiriko, I'm going to go with they and them specifically yeah. for the... <laughs> yeah. Uh, make my life a little easier. Let's just go with that. Same. Yeah. But yeah, yeah so ha ha Haruki's male. Kiriko is, is female. female. Kiruko is, is they them something in between. Yes, they them it's something in between. I, I, I almost wanted to say an experience, but like, man, c comparing it to fusion from Steven Universe almost seems a little cruel. <laughs> Hybrid's probably the, the, better than experiment the, the, anyway. The, the tone is distinctly different. The the, the tone is distinctly <laughs> different. Nobody consented to any of this. Uh, I, how did how did mm. how did you put it when I was bringing up the brain swapping? It was like it's like uh like feeling like you're in the wrong body in the most literal way possible, like you're literally in the wrong body. Yeah, that it is like the most textbook gender dysphoria you could imagine. Basically, uh, play these four people. Uh, Kiriko and Kiriko are played by the same person, Anjali Kudapadedi. Good job. Uh, Haruki is played by Mackenzie Atwood. And our boy Maru is played by Jonathan Layard. Uh, Anjali, you've heard of him in other roles such as Karen and Feather Pirate Princess. Uh, <laughs> Lemon Irvine in Marshall Magic and Muscles. Roy in Pokemon Horizons. 
as BBEBB in Yu-Gi-Oh! 7s. Uh, Mackenzie Atwood, you've also heard them in uh, as uh, Gustav Isaac Kempf in Legend of the Galactic Heroes, Inoue Tensei Collision, I think that's Season 3, and Young Zero Fuku in Record of Ragnarok 2. By the way, I just want to say, I know I comically mentioned Steven Universe. Mackenzie Atwood was like a Steven Universe, like YouTube Uber who did stuff with Cartoon Network social media to promote and advertise Steven Universe. Oh boy. So that cruel fusion joke became a lot more contextually relevant than I meant it to. Whoopsie. Oops. And Jonathan Leon, you've also heard him as Shizuku Drop Sakuma in Goodbye Doglies, Minato and Scarlet the Praetor, and Kazushi Yamagishi in Tokyo Avengers. Mm. So, uh, how y'all want to start this final section? I'd say uh, I'm just going to quickly say Mackenzie Atwood is a really good actor as Haruki, even in the yeah. brief moments that, they, that Haruki is physically on screen. Mackenzie left a really strong impression, and man, that was a very visceral, violent way to go out. Mm -hmm. I really like Mackenzie, and I hope I hear them in more things. Yeah. But, yeah. as, as much as I like Mackenzie, I want to give them some flowers. The entirety of this is, we're just going to gush about Anjali and Jonathan, and I need to not be the first person to gush about Anjali and Jonathan. Somebody else take that mantle for me. I'll okay, I you. will. Oh. oh. Look, Abad's been a good boy throughout all of this, but also he's he likes to sit quietly in the back with his hands folded and be like, I'll, I'll just sit here, I'm fine. No, you, you talk, buddy. All right. Uh, these two are just really fun together. Like, um, we were, we were talking back in the cruise section how this dub, um, clearly made pains to sound a little more naturalistic compared to your, uh, like, typical anime dub, um, which I, th I think they're helped a lot by the actual production itself in that regard. Um, but that really shines through with just how these two interact. Uh, the, the, they so very clearly understand the, like, buddy, like, you know, semi-comedic, semi-tragic road movie that is at the center of this story. Uh, and, like, it's one of these things that, like, even if there were no monsters and they were just wandering around, I'd still want to watch 13 episodes of these two just doing stuff. Even if yeah. the world was not an apocalypse, I would want to see these two go on a journey to find a dead I, body. I was thinking to myself that it's really weird that this manga is by a guy who, prior to this, was most famous for doing, like, a slice of life story about a maid cafe, um, but oh yeah, and yet the town moves. Yeah, but like, uh, it like it in that regard, his experience working on stuff like that actually very much shines through in this. Like, uh, there's there's clearly like a very clear understanding of like like characters and character interaction and how to make that work and how to like just build like build. You, you care so much about these two. Um, even when they don't have a particularly good idea of what they're actually trying to accomplish because their own evidence is so vague. And it's just like, I'm looking for a guy who looks like me. Well, that is absolutely nothing to work on, but hey, whatever, let's go. <laughs> chop, chop. Um, uh, and you, you just, you just, it, they're fun to hang out with. I would watch a, I would watch a normal Slice of Life show about these two just doing stuff. That'd be great. 
wouldn't, wouldn't I, even need all the violence and horror. The violence and horror is absolutely your your shit, regardless. Uh, look, look, but man, you just look, watch man, a regular it was, thing. It was real. Tra- look, it was extremely tragic when that poor woman got her head bitten off by the, by the monster that used to be her son, like legitimately. But also, like that's what I'm here for, man. Yeah, give me that. Give me that. I, yes. uh, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, the timing of that was darkly funny in a way. It would, yeah. If if you're making things yeah. set in the post-apocalypse, you need to be able to laugh at the horrors, or else you're just going to cry yourself to death. It's your only option. And sometimes the horrors is, man, I really hope there aren't any crocodiles in this river. And then you go up to the weed cult later, and they're like, "Wow, you crossed the river, dude? There were crocodiles at that." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, so, I'm trying to think of who I would. I, I think I would start if I had to go into performances specifically with Jonathan, because yeah. I know him from exactly one other thing, and he sounded a little bit younger in that, but equally as, like, road tr- like the the vibe you were talking about of wanting to see them in like a casual just find something no high stakes but just see these characters going somewhere to a place guess what that's what i know jonathan from it's called goodbye don glees and that's a great movie that also made me feel things and jonathan's <laughs> equally as fantastic here like he he's not like a good kid who's kind of realizes his situation in life maru's a lot more of like maru's the dumb little brother that he doesn't quite understand like what is appropriate all the time but you can tell it's not from a place of, like, malice or disgust. It's just like, oh, you're just a little ignorant to the ways of the world. I get the feeling that this kid who has survived in the post-apocalypse has never had to consider gender identity or whether he's attracted to somebody who might be, like, mentally male but pres- but physically female. So he hasn't really had time to really contemplate with that? He's just like, I just know I really like this person. And if anything happened to them, I'd kill everybody in this room. Which he almost does. <laughs> Which he almost yeah. does, yeah. Oh, he almost yeah. does, doesn't he? It's, it's, you know, it's, it's, there was only one person, but that counts. Oh, no, that, that, that dude was not going to wake up again if they, they weren't stopped. But... He's got, like, a... Jonathan has very good, like... Like, whiny little brother energy to him, too. That's why I love the fact that that him and Kiriko, like, just bust each other's balls all the time. Yeah. (laughs) I still remember that one moment where he's kind of a little sensitive about what to call his power. And then, uh... He had a fatal dive. dive. Shout out to the mix on that because that was cringe reading the manga, and it was even more cringe than listening to it. I was like, oh my <laughs> I God. love it. I, sorry. I was gonna say, I was gonna say, it's really about a bit, but I love how he said that in kind of like weeby way. 
which is extremely he's, funny. He's, yeah. You can tell he doesn't know what a Chunibyo is, but he had that feeling in his heart. And you know he could be in another life. And it's like, he he's making fun of Kiriko for the crappy name. And it's like, oh yeah, what was that? Fatal Drive? It's like, stop, don't make fun of me. Yeah, I'm going to make fun of you, dude. Oh. Um, um, yeah, I, I, I do like Jonathan a lot. He, he, he has a... He just has a lot of spunk and energy. It's just really, it's a, it's a really fun performance. Like uh, you were saying, Andrew, he he does come off with like a little naive, but just generally well, but generally well meaning and and and, and he's just a lot of fun. It's I don't know everything about this character is just really delightful. I I love that like they are very much hardened people who are trying to survive in this world. But they're still kind of well-meaning kids. Yeah, in a lot of ways. Yeah, 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 which I would be remiss if I didn't talk about one of the funniest bits with John's delivery, which 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 is of course a bit where Kiriko thinks he went missing and is like really panicked because he can't because because they can't find him. that was a great character moment in and of itself. And then it's just like, oh, sis, sis, I'm fine, I'm fine. And I'm like, clearly just trying to get from his fans and it's like, oh, wait, what's going on? Just, uh, uh, just, uh, hitting the smack bank in the, in the other room there. And then it's, it's like this very tender hug where it's like, I promise you, I'm not going anywhere. That's really sweet, but you're still at half mass, dude. <laughs> <laughs> just. I love the choice of, like, half mass specifically. It's like, oh, lordy. <laughs> I also enjoy, like, when they're, they're hearing Juichi's, uh, Juichi's tales about, like, his real story with the breeding pigs. And then he's just like, see you, bye-bye. Not see you, bye-bye! What happened to the baby? <laughs> I want to know what happened to the baby! It's like, oh. Just that light level of, like... Oh yeah, I want to know what happened. Don't leave me hanging. And then, like, when they're when they're dealing with the bear, and it's like, yeah. okay, I I kind of drop the bear. like like they're very strongly competent. Like they are strong in ways that complement each other together, but by themselves they're kind of messes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what makes yeah. them a great team, where it's like they can work together because they know how to make the other person do what they need to to survive. Whereas, where, where Kiriko's just like, okay, look, that's a really long fall. I don't want to hurt myself. The adrenaline's worn off. Okay. So if you touched my boobs, and then he just fucking goes for it. It's like, <laughs> oh my god. Oh, man. Oh, Christ. And, but yeah, I I love, like, Jonathan's, like, childlike delivery, where he's kind of this dork in this cu cruel world, but he means well and genuinely does have this very charming relationship with Kiriko, I think Anjali Kunapaneni is one of the best performances I've heard all fucking year. Oh, absolutely. 
This is a tour de force of a character in general. And oh my god, they get everything that Kiriko needs to be. That they are this kind of like cold, cool action movie hero, while also this weirdo dork that doesn't know anything that they're doing and gets to be vulnerable around this one dorky kid. But also like this kind of like genuine dysphoric tragedy of basically being the what happens when the person the original Haruki loved is no longer there and Haruki feels that guilt of existing in his sister's shell and then having to become something else not knowing where where Haruki ends and Kiriko begins and that's a fucked up traumatizing thing uh, very yeah, to which, uh, I mean, the show stopped touching on it after a bit, but it is sort of, it's, uh, I'm sorry, but it was sort of implied at some point that Haruki was, like, actually in love, in love with his sister, which is, uh... Yeah, yeah. that, so, if it's, I told you that I found out the author of this manga is a fan of Made in Abyss, I, I, I heard that, and I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 that yeah, sounds about right, actually. Yeah, 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 no, no, I mean, the reason I'm mentioning that is because there are, is because there are a couple of bit, because there are, like... Are you talking about the one scene where it's kind of implied that, like, in, in, as, as soon as they become Kiriko, they kind of do, yeah? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah there's that, there's also, like, a bit in the first episode where, like, you see Kiriko, like, looking in the mirror, and it's like... See, that, that I find almost, yeah. like, uniquely, like, gender fuckery, but it's a little less ambiguous where it's like, oh, you're having a Shinji Kari moment as soon as you, uh, yeah. became you. I, yeah, I get that. It, 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 that. That part is definitely toned down, for sure. It, that does not surprise me. Yeah. But, no, without a doubt, Anjali is... Absolutely incredible as Kiriko. I think both Anjali and Jonathan are kind of like the perfect like road trip post apocalypse duo. Yeah, and like like Jonathan's very charming and funny, but also can fuck shit up. And I think Anjali is equally as like dorky, spunky, tomboyish, while also just being like this traumatized, vulnerable kid. That, like, is trying to find the people that matter to him, that matter to them, that they could still find in this world. Yeah, yeah. And it's a good drama. It's good. They're, okay, their dynamic is very The Last of Us. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, I do like their dynamic. It's I'm just... talking part one, not part two, by the way. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I do think Best of Us would get that, but yeah, I, I do really like... Actually, uh, Kirito, uh, they do a really great job with the character. It's just, like, I, I mean, I do kind of appreciate that they do sort of come off as, like, like at, the, like, at the first, they do kind of seemingly come off as sort of being the straight man to, to Maru in a way, where they're kind of, that, uh, where they kind of seem to be the more level-headed one of the duo, but as you kind of get to spend more time with the trio, more time with them as a duo, you kind of see that, like, no, no, like, Kirito is kind of so... They take. They take turns holding the brain cells. Yep. (laughs) 
Yeah, I, I definitely agree because Anjali's performance is, is astounding because episode three was probably one of my favorites to look back on because it's like, Jesus Christ, this is actually happening? What is What the fuck is going on? And then the shock and horror that uh, Haruki's in Kiriko's body to which Anjali... The, the definitely display the uh, oh that is a horrifying scene with like a visceral scream like oh very, my god very I think that was that was for me like you said it's one of the best you've heard all year I think that for me is that episode is what makes it does it for me because they have to could di- slightly differentiate between the two variations of what's exact what's basically the same character because. You know, okay, we don't hear much of Kiriko, but for what we did find, I thought Anjali was pretty good as them. Kiruko is, is just a strange delight, especially playing off of Jonathan Leon's Marut, which I think one of the moments that really clicked for me when these two characters, when these two actors definitely worked, these two characters was anytime Kiruko didn't have, really have a plan, uh, Maru would kind of ask them a question, like a slightly condescending tone. It's like, you don't have any plan at all, do you? Or the moment that uh, they get back to the hotel after killing that bear. Uh, sis, isn't there something you promised me? I'm like, oh, oh, okay. This is where we're going now, huh? I, I do sense that they kind of had this vibe by each other, you know, like that's what makes it work. Almost as if like they were in the same room together, but obviously they're not. Also I will say this though, I'm very excited about Anjali because I just learned they're coming to a local car near me. And I hope I get to plug this episode to them. <laughs> but yeah, for sure if Kiriko and Maru did not work this dub would not work. The show would not work. And I can definitely tell that they made the right call with Anjali and Jonathan specifically. They are an incredible tag team. They are the heart and soul of Heavenly Delusion. And they are some of my favorite performances of anime dubbing. Honestly, I've heard all year. They're really good. Yeah, like I said, Felicia carefully crafted these characters, and she she knows what Anjali's about, so they cast Anjali as this character. It, it, it really, really fits like a glove, to be honest. It really does. Which is why I, I admire Felicia as a casting director. The general director, really. So, like you said, if... If they do that, then this dub wouldn't have worked as well. So, uh, any more, any more thoughts on these two? Like, their performances are really a good epitome of of a road trip. There we go. Like, you guys basically nailed a lot of what I was going to say in the head, but it it's just. Both actors have a really good dynamic with one another, and, like, it just works. Roots, don't nail it on the head. We've already got enough psychic damage tonight. <laughs> ah, fair enough. Yeah. 
Rika, then they get out of the head. I guess we're going to move on to final thoughts then. So, gentlemen, what did we think of this dub and this show as a whole? Um, yeah, this is a pretty, uh, yeah, this is a pretty, uh, fun, this is a pretty solid show. This is, uh, weird enough to, weird enough for watching it, this actually made it, makes it the third time I've seen this show in, like, the span of a year, so I guess I really do, so I guess, uh, yeah, I dug it quite a bit. It's got a really good sense of mystery and atmosphere, um, uh, does a really good, uh, does a really good job in sort of like giving you all sorts of like uh, little breadcrumbs here and there, and kind of like gradually setting up the world and stuff in a really fun way. And uh, yeah, it's a really good time, uh, really good post-apocalyptic story. And that wise, I really, I really like a lot of what's here, like what's before. I really liked how why did that they casted with a lot of the actors uh, getting. Yeah, getting folks from all over, which is really appreciated. And so, uh, really saw all the cast across the board, a lot of veterans and a lot of, like, fresher names. I'm especially impressed with Zoff and Leon and Azalee Capanetti just uh, really making performances there. And, uh, yeah, but this is definitely one of the stronger dubs this year, and you should definitely give it a listen if you can. Just uh, really, uh, really, really entertaining. we got to put up in Hulu's thoughts just to watch this. This is a really good show and a damn good dub, and I think Ruben and the team that worked on this really put their all into this. It's absolutely damn good. Absolutely deserves to be seen. The question is, are you ready to go through the scavenger hunt that is to make... to see the entire show beginning to end English dubbed on Hulu? Or Disney+, Plus, depending on your region... Depending on most of your regions, but if you're in the U.S. of A. like all of us are, uh, you're in for a fun scavenger hunt. Good luck, and you might not even see the whole show in some yeah, cases. Pay attention to what episode you're on and what episode you're about to be on. Don't be like me. Yeah, I can tell you this right now: episode ten is fun to watch, especially for the moments where a lot Kiriko and Mao go off bottle a lot. Yeah, now, so. now, now that I thought about it, it's like, hey, where was that episode where everyone looks funny and cartoony? When did... The, I've never seen that episode. It was, it was that like was the, the one. The you one episode missed. that got shared a lot on Twitter and clips, so I was a little confused. Mm. Yeah, so this... This was an absolutely spectacular show. Really good dub that followed it. Um, I do heartily recommend it, but maybe not via Hulu. If you have a VPN, do the Disney Plus thing. But other than that, yeah, go go for it. Like, this is... we I'll say this. I am here to encourage and support the official release because I want to see more dubbed products, more anime dubs from the House of Mouse team. That is clearly putting a lot of time, care, and effort into all this stuff. But at the same time, as somebody who is not on the other side of it, I, 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 I get it. Yeah, I mean... Is it a little legally dubious to spoof a different region in order to watch a show legally on a different platform? Sure. Besides, for all we know, it's probably gonna be on Disney Plus in the U.S. in like a year or two, anyway. Yeah. 
Like that's that's where it is. Like I, I remember we already discussed it. It's like how do we plug this show if we don't even know if it's right now at the time of this recording it's on Hulu in the United States. I would also Disney. imagine the possibility of like a Hulu Disney Plus Franken service coming to the U.S. like at some point. Hulu and Disney Plus are gonna make their own Verve. Remember Verve? Oh boy. Okay, that's. So... Remember HBO Max? I remember HBO. Don't don't don't. Remember HBO Go? Well, no, I didn't have an HBO subscription, so HBO Go was very useless to me. What I'm saying is, good lord, the shelf life of some of these streaming endeavors is so fucking trash. But yeah, they're... Even the ones that are, like, too big to fail. I'm gonna say there are at least a handful of performances from this dub that are very high contenders for dubbies. Oh yeah, without a doubt. If not a few that may have, like, flat out taken them. For me, yeah, I got I got a couple unlocked myself. I just have to figure out where to place one of them. That haven't been said. I yeah, I love this show and I love this dub so much that I actually went and bought the bag the manga to prepare for this. So no, this is this There's, is definitely a very strong anime dub, and this is um, a very strong show. This is a very strong adaptation of this material because, like I can tell. Oh. The material is strong, but you could tell that this is a very, very good team working on it. Like, uh, in, yeah. on the Japanese side of it, too. Dub team, we've been singing their praises all, all night, but, like, the Japanese team working on this, they know their stuff. They, they, they were doing the good shit. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think we even once really got into the Sakuga portion of it. Which it's we like didn't talk about how good this show really looks. We didn't talk good. about the animation or the cr- like. Episode ten is a very uniquely directed episode, and there's a lot of really incredible directorial decisions and like time adaptations and like trusting the audience to not have all the information. It's like it's good. This is good gripping television. I love that. Yeah, I think the it, the way the adaptation was handled, it was it was very exquisite because I remember reading, because the guy that wrote the script for this series, uh, he wrote a few manga. One of them I'm looking at right now, Magical Girl Spec Ops Oscar. He said that uh, he knew he's gonna have to cut out some elements of the manga to make it fit into thirteen episodes, so he had to carefully craft like little hidden pieces for the future, so that it will get your brain wondering it. Uh, yeah, yeah great. What you get did? Yeah, anime adaptation is an own unappreciated art in and of itself. But then yes. people, but then people yell at people when you don't make it exactly like the manga all the time, every single time. Yeah, those people can bite me. But the dub ad, how also the dub adaptation itself is very wonderful. Like I said, Felicia carefully crafted this dub all over. Like she had no. She only had the help of the script writers and the, the help of understanding the material itself. I I sing high praises for the team behind this. Felicia, Madden, Emily for a couple episodes. Ruben, man, you deserve a beer for doing most of the legwork on the marketing. You add Felicia. Also, Every- I know there's no way to... I know the team does not choose what anime gets dubbed, but like... Man, 
I just hope you continue to get really cool anime dub projects regardless. Because yeah. there's some cool stuff that Disney has picked up and would like to see. Like, I uh, think Dragons of Horik. It was like the live the li- live action anime collab with also production IG. Ishura is coming out, and I know Disney's got that. That'd be cool. Sin Duality Noir has come up. Tokyo Revengers Season 3! I know people would really like to see Tokyo Revengers Season 3. I hope they continue to let the anime side of the English Disney dubbing department continue to do really cool projects, because it's very clear when they get a really good project and they put a lot of love, care, and passion into it, you get something like the Heavenly Delusion dub, which I would say is probably one of the best dubs of the year. Yes. And given the hand you were dealt, everybody here did a very good job from beginning to end, or middle, if, if that's how you want to look at it. As for the show itself, if you want to see this show, for at the, the time, time of this be- recording... At the time of this recording, if you're outside of the U.S., you can look it up on Disney Plus or Disney Hotstar. However, if you're in the U.S., there are two ways to watch this. You have to search... Both of them, you have to search by the Japanese title, Tengoku Daimakyo. Which, how how you spell that is T-E-N-Goku. Ten-Goku. One word. Dai, D-A-I-M-A-K-Y-O. And you have to specifically select the English version because the other version is Japanese only. You, you got all that down? You just, you're just going to keep taking the words out of my mouth, I, I will, aren't you? I will, I will say, I yeah. find most of dealing with Hulu to be sort of marginal annoyance. It's mostly just so silly that a major I, I, streamer is operating at such an amateurish level in 2023 that, like, I think really galls us. That That is what it is. Oh, it was Dragons of Wonder Hatch. That's the show I was thinking of. That would be cool. If that's they not a that real one. show. That, you made that up. It, yeah. No, that's a real show, and it's a live-action anime collab with production IG doing the anime parts and the Promised Neverland artist doing the character Wonder designs. Hatch? I refuse to believe that. <laughs> You're joshing. No, it's real. Look it up. No, I won't. <laughs> okay, then. That, yes, as Andrew said, is Tengoku Daimakyo you have to look up, and you specifically have to pick the English version. However, if you also want to read the manga, it is licensed by Denpa and available wherever you buy your manga. Out also digitally, I don't know about the uh, app iOS store, but I do know with the Google Store. For some fucking reason, you can't get volume three in the Google Store. I had to look it up on a Kindle app. Mm. Got it. Well, you could always use K Mug. Andrew. Man, fuck off, man. We're not. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's so. It's... No, 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 you aren't. There's a corner. I re- it, it let me read the fragrant flower blooms with dignity, which is a wonderful romance manga, which stars a character that I think looks like the most Jonah Scott character I've ever seen. But thankfully, that's getting physical releases, so I can tell people to just buy that instead of using that shitty manga app. Yes, that's wicked. Where was I going with this? 
Yeah, where were you going with this? Anyway, that's where you can find the shows. Where you can find the manga. As for us, we the Dumb Talk Podcast. Uh, we have episodes out uh, every other Friday. Uh, we also have a gaming talk channel, the Dub Talk Gaming, where you can view VODs from our Twitch stream, or if you want to check us out live, we're Dub Talk. We're Dub Talk Gaming on Twitch, right? Because I haven't used Twitch in a while. Yes, it's Dub Talk Gaming on Twitch. Okay. Yes. As for the rest of the channel, if you want to listen Talk to It's Dub Talk Podcast our- on Twitch. It's Dub Talk Gaming is the YouTube stream. It's yes, YouTube it's the VODs. Yes. As for the rest of the podcast, we can also be found streaming on the Spotify, Apple Podbean, wherever you find the usual streams. We also have a Patreon if you ever want to give back to the channel. You know, it really help us support what we do. Uh, for $5... You can at least get your name shout out on the internet. Uh, we'd like to thank Megan's mom and dad, Michelle Travis and Victor Maybaroda. But for $10, you can also participate in our Patriots Choice, where every quarter we, you, the patron, get to decide what episode we should cover. And in our $10, tier, we'd also like to thank Anthony Brown, Kylie Leistikow, Kimwa Soup, Marissa Lenti, and Otaku Anthony. We also have a Kofi if you want to donate too, you know. No stress. We just love what we do here on the internet. As for us and what we get up to, uh, Gentlemen, go ahead and plug yourselves. Uh, my name is Andrew, a.k.a. Classy Spartan. You can find me over on the Twitter.com at MangaMan9000. I also do have a Blue Sky account, Classy Spartan. You can find that in my Twitter name because fucking fucking Lamau... Elon, suck my nuts. Um, but yeah, as far as what else I do, I'm on Surreal Resolutions Podcast ONA, where we talk about the latest in anime news, alongside my buddy, Jed. How you doing, man? Uh, tired. Uh, I... <laughs> I'm dead. I mean, I, uh, look, that's fair. That's fair. We've been at this for a while. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, dead. You can find me on Twitter or Blue Sky at Divine Dead, where I'll usually just, uh, keep ranting about anime or cartoons or, like, whatever. Uh, Black Andrew's saying you can also find me on Surreal Resolutions Podcast O'Day, usually just shoot and breathe about anime news. You can also find me on my blog at Abyss, where I'll usually just be, uh, or usually just be ranting about whatever Jota Jump stuff I'm reading, and then uh, sometimes I do things for reputable websites like uh, Anime Feminist or Anime News yeah, you did a whole report where you went to Anime NYC and covered some early premieres for ANN. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I have some stuff from Anime NYC up and one other thing that I uh, so point to see whatever that gets approved, so I guess you can look forward to that. And Looking forward uh, to it. Yeah. Alrighty. Uh, I'm Roots Justice. You can find me on the Bird app and the Blue Sky at Roots Justice. Mainly retweet key to animal picks, talk general fandom. Good time, you should come see me. Um, periodic blog that gets updated every now and again. Um, and, you know, at the end of each of these episodes, I have a Patrick's Cool Thing of the Day, where I talk about a cool thing that I would recommend today. Do tell. Um, this time around, I would recommend... Fairly recent film, but not, like, super, super recent. I think it was, like, last year. 
Um, it's called The Green Knight. It's got Dev Patel. Retelling of Arthurian oh, legend. That. It's awesome. Visually scrumptious. Go watch it. I don't know what streaming site it's on because I own the 4K Blu-ray. But you should. You should check it out. It's a good time. Love that. Uh, I'm Amon. You can find me on Twitter and Blue Sky and co-host and whatever as uh, Amon Duel US or Lucifer Hunklehead. I've decided that's just going to be my handle from now on because it sounds great. Um, and you will find me there talking about movies and comic books and other such bullshit and music. Uh, and I have a dusty old song for this episode. Uh, as we brought up earlier, uh, this, this reminds me a lot of my, my favorite post-apocalyptic world to run around in, the Fallout games, uh, because it's tragic and horrifying and also funny and silly at the same time. Uh, and if you're thinking about music in the Fallout games, I think of the Ink Spots, because they love contrasting their lovely pillowy harmonies with the burnt-out horrors of the actual world. I, Roots, what song were you singing earlier? Um, that actually wasn't the no, Ink I can't, Spots. No, I, um... I couldn't remember if it was or not. I'm trying to remember what song you were singing so I confirm it or not. Because it's, it's in one of the Fallout games, I remember, that's how I know it. Yeah. Yeah, it's in New Vegas. Um, anyways, um, they have a bunch of songs, a bunch of them have been in Fallout games. If you play those games, you definitely recognize a handful of them. I'm gonna recommend one that I don't think is in any of those, but I could be wrong. Uh, which is, um, We Three, My Echo, My Shadow, and Me. It's about, uh, being sad because you don't have any love in your life, and it's, it's very, very good. Um, yeah, so check that out. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, as for me, I've been assistant editor for this podcast. I can be found on YouTube at Jabstar One, I'm on Twitter, and I'm on Blue Sky at Jabstar Five Two Nine. I haven't gotten to explore the Blue Skies much, you know. Discord's been taking up a lot of my interest lately. Uh, I did have something planned, but I'm gonna have to wait to like later on to bring it to fruition I have much else to say so I guess it's time to end this episode so uh, any final words before we close out uh no this was a fun one this was a fun show to talk about with all you lovely people and yeah thanks for tuning in thanks for checking us out uh good luck finding this show cause it's a really good show to find if you can find it Bhutan Empire, baby. Yeah, but yeah, I'm, just... I'm all good to go. Uh, good night, everybody. Thank you for tuning in, and otaku on. Otaku on, that dubba. Otaku on. Otaku on, keep it friendly. Over Boston Rock on Chicago. Now, if you excuse me, I'm going to explore the ruins of this academy here. Uh, yeah, um, I think there's a giant, uh, giant frost bug that's going to freeze your eyelids open. I'm sure he'll be what, fine. What is, what is Project Noah Clue? Oh my god. Oh my god. Are you ending on a, a joke? <laughs> Alright. Yeah. Good night, everybody. Uh, yeah, okay. Have, have fun freezing. <laughs>